Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. A couple of days ago, I was hearing some murmurs. I think it may have been a couple of days ago about Project Veritas, but nothing confirmed. But now we do have confirmation that James O'Keefe has been placed on paid leave. Several employees signed a letter complaining about his behavior, calling him a tyrant. The strange thing about this letter is that they say that many of the signees never actually witnessed any abuse nor experienced any of it, but decided to sign the letter anyway. Turns out that one of the individuals involved who may have been about to get fired has pronouns in his bio, leading many people to believe that this is some kind of coup to remove James O'Keefe. And now Project Veritas has put out a new video with a different host explaining what's going on with their story. Yeah, and no one's buying it. No one's heard from James. So, of course, this is is a huge story. And uh, we got to get into it. We'll talk about that. Plus, we'll talk about what's going on with, uh, well, we got Facebook reinstating Donald Trump. We've got... uh, bunch of different stories, but uh, we're going to get into it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some strange censorship that's going on with a person who was recently on this show named Eliza Blue. I don't know the chat's going to light up. But for those of you who, who aren't familiar, this got to a point where, admittedly, within the past hour, I said, okay, okay, look, you, you guys, you know, the people who have been asking us, politely, I might add, that to, to consider looking into this, we just saw several people, others, who, uh, other individuals who have been in the show, who have had a series of YouTube videos taken down, and so... I will say, in honor of the polite requests, uh, I think it's actually worth talking about. And I also want to say, too, that, look, with, with, with what's happened with Project Veritas had me actually very worried. James O'Keefe, we haven't heard from him, we know what's going on. We've had the drama with uh, The Daily Wire and, and Steven Crowder. Obviously, there was drama involving me, which I, I just, I feel like all of this, it's getting a little out of hand. It's getting a little crazy, especially considering this other story that we have. Two Republicans in New Jersey were just killed in the past week. Now, one was by a coworker. We're not entirely sure what the motive was. Another individual was targeted, this woman, in her vehicle. And that made me kind of take stock of everything and just say, okay, look, man, we, we, we've got to make sure that at the very least, if we have differences, we're unified in what these problems really are, because it seems like this is really, really bad. Considering Project Veritas recently did one of the biggest exposés of their existence with James O'Keefe, and then almost immediately, immediately after we see him get ousted in some kind of coup attempt, or I should say outright coup, and uh, at least that's what I'm hearing from sources in, in New York media. Seems like a coup at Project Veritas. Yeah, I, I, I think we have, we've got to make sure, at the very least, I ask and uh, that we focus. So I'm going to say this outright. You know, for anybody who's upset with me, I apologize for being brash and crass. I said I wasn't going to, but I'm genuinely freaked out watching what's happening with Veritas, seeing the infighting between Crowder and Daily Wire, and then now this kind of makes me feel that, look, I'm not perfect and y'all can still be mad at me, but I don't want to engage in any fighting that's going to cause us to actually lose this thing in the long run. 
because it's not a good thing. You know, last night we had a great show with members of Congress. We got to keep this energy up and we got to make sure that even if we disagree on certain things, we're, we're, we're focused in the, in the same direction towards making things better and, and fighting for the values that we have. So, you know, considering what we're seeing now with Chrissy Mayer as well, I'll be happy to admit that I was wrong about this one for sure. But I do have some grievances that I'm, I'm planning to address that I think some people should be aware about as it pertains to the story. But we'll get into that. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to support our work. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive uncensored members-only shows from this podcast. They go up around 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday, and we had an awesome show. You know, Matt Gates comes in swinging and swearing. And uh, uh, we had a really great uh, uncensored show with several members of Congress in the office of Lauren Boebert last night. Check that one out. And we're going to have one tonight for you as well. You're also helping us with our cultural endeavors. We're setting up a coffee shop, a physical physical location where people can hang out. We'll talk all about that. And uh, it's underway. We got the contract stuff happening. A lot of expansion is currently happening. So it's all very much exciting. And I think, you know, I just want to make sure we can focus on that positive energy and, um, this, uh, admittedly, look, man, this Veritas stuff is, is really creepy because some people are suggesting that he's being ousted by some malicious external forces. So we'll get into all that stuff. Joining us today to talk about this and so much more is we got Reed and Jose from the Tower Gang. How's it going, man? It's going well. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Uh, who are you? Uh, yeah, well, I'm Reed Coverdale. I have um, my own show called The Naturalist Capitalist and basically talk about how the government ruins everything it touches. Everybody's trying to fix small problems and they create bigger problems. Uh, once a month, I do the Four Horsemen show, wearing the shirt here with my friend uh, Ryan Dawson and Eric Jackman, and we talk about conspiracy theories, foreign policy, current events, and then the rest of the time, I'm just talking about uh, work-related stuff, how the government's destroyed the working industry, made it harder for working people. Um, you know, I talk, I have foreign policy experts on, and lots of people you guys have had on, friends with Scott Horton and Dave Smith, and those guys have a lot of those people on. Um, and then I do social media for the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, and we're constantly making headlines over there and stirring things up. So, um, yeah, that, that's it. That's me. How about you, bro? And I'm Jose Galison. I, uh, I'm part of Tower Gang, which is an offensive comedy podcast. If you come in there and say I'm offended, just know we don't care, and we'll probably laugh at you. Uh, I also have the No Way Jose show. Uh, that's more I do my more serious content. I cover libertarian theory, uh, conspiracies, generally whatever just interests me. It's just kind of my outlet for that. Uh, probably the thing I'm best known for is my coverage of the OKC, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing thing. Uh, that's why I have the shirt on. Uh, Terrence Hickey didn't kill himself. That's what dragged me into it. The character of Terrence Hickey was an American hero. Uh, he had a very incredulous death and oh, ruled the suicide immediately. And uh, I think he, uh, I think he's an American hero that needs to be remembered. And I think uh, there are people out there that need to be held to account for his death. Right on. We also got Phil Labonte back in the house. What's up, everybody? I am back from the left coast. I am uh, Phil Labonte, uh, lead vocalist for All That Remains. I don't know Jose or Reed, <laughs> and uh, I disavow everything they have to say. The second part of that's yeah, true. It's too late. <laughs> My friend Ian. Hi, everyone. Ian Crossan coming at you. I've got some good news on Bucko. He came back from his uh, vet uh, journey today, and he's gained a quarter pound in the last week. Wow, it's a lot for a little yeah, fella. It is a lot for a, a guy his size. It is very promising. Man, it's, it's very stem cell technology. You know, stem cells in state of mind. It's been very calm, peaceful. The prayers. Yes. I tell him how good he is, how healthy he is, how I'm lucky to be with him, and, and he seems to enjoy it. When I start doing push-ups, he gets up and starts moving around and eating, eating big meats. Bucko's doing well. Uh, I think that's all I got to start it off. Jose, you and I did an episode of No Way, Jose. Yeah, we sure did. Was uh, it, was a while, it was a while back. I was yeah, poaching you for my Aaron Handbook series, seeing if you were into Proton. You weren't, but we still had a great episode. Right, right. Yeah. I didn't know enough about the context of the data, but maybe we can get into it tonight. If we do go that direction, I don't know, we'll find out. And we also have this 
gorgeous human to my right. Did you get a haircut? Hey. Dupre. Yeah, I was gonna, I was not going to say anything about it. And kind of just, uh, <laughs> just not address it on the podcast, you know, but I did get a haircut. Uh, you check out the uh, pop culture crisis from today if you want to see me get my haircut. It was good. Okay. So very handsome. Wouldn't me. Thank you, guys. All right, let's jump to this first story. This one, right. uh, this story legit has me freaked out. Uh, I was hearing some some rumors and some murmurs from TimCast.com. James O'Keefe accused of erratic behavior by 16 Project Veritas employees. James has become a power drunk tyrant, said one unnamed employee in a letter submitted to the organization's board. Nobody's buying it. Uh, I've got my sources and uh, I'm not buying it. This is the letter that uh, we were able to obtain through, uh, let's just, let me just say, sources in New York media. Apparently, this had been circulating to a certain degree. And I want you to know uh, a few things. One, this letter is signed by, I believe, what is it, 16 employees accusing James O'Keefe of being a power drunk tyrant. And he is exactly who he pontificates on who we should be exposing. Now, this letter includes very important uh, bits of information and context, which leads me to believe I think there are people trying to oust James O'Keefe not because of any of these perceived grievances. I think they're trying to just remove him as an element of Project Veritas because, I mean, he's, he's the guy. He, he is Veritas. I would put it this way. If you're an organization with 65 employees and you generate millions plus in, in donor revenue, I imagine the board members are thinking like, hey, the one problem we have in terms of control of this money is James O'Keefe. He's an ideological figurehead who, who believes in a mission and founded this. This happens with, with big companies all the time. It's like in Spider-Man. Remember when Willem Dafoe is playing uh, Harry Osborn and he's like, oh, yeah. do you have any idea how much I've sacrificed? And they're, they're getting rid of him. Mm -hmm. yeah. You get rid of James O'Keefe from, from this organization and you are free to use that money however you see fit. The problem is I don't think anyone's going to support him. Now, as we mentioned, they're saying that they were bullied, that he's a tyrant. Let me, let me read for you the top note, because they certainly had to include this. It says, the opinions, data shared, and anecdotes were compiled by one-third of the Project Veritas staff, representing every department. Not all signed this letter, but all had compelling reason to contribute. Some signatories have not been the subject of abuse, nor witnessed any abuse, but found the corroborated behavior troubling and were willing to sign. You, 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 that that means right there sounds like a load of garbage to me. Yeah, sound, what did they sign exactly? So imagine this: you work at Project Veritas. Someone walks up to you and says, "We think James O'Keefe is bad, and he's done these things. Will you sign a letter?" And they say, "Sure." Next thing you know, the board comes together. There's a viral Twitter thread where one guy is saying, uh, "Reporting according to his sources, one of the board members who orchestrated this." had a whole thing scripted in ousting James O'Keefe. So I've reached out to James. I've not heard from him. But uh, admittedly, look, man, you know, when I saw this and a few other stories today, I was like, dude. this I got questions, it's, man. It's, it's, it's getting crazy right now. Okay, so if first of all, if you sign your name to a paper that's making a statement, that's an indication that you are making the statement. And if you didn't see the things that you're signing on to, that's fraud or at least could be construed as fraud. So don't sign something that you don't believe in. I think or, that's what the disclaimer's for, though, isn't it? Yeah. To make sure that they, to say, look, I I didn't see this, but there was a disclaimer saying that I didn't see well, this, but it, I think that James is a bad person. It, it it needs to be more fleshed out than than just an introduction with like some of these people. Like It needs to be on the signatories. You need to see who didn't see it, who is just following along and, and signing for the fun, or because they feel like, okay, and who actually witnessed the things. That needs to be very implicit. It should yeah. be. 
Ian, it's it. What it is is sign this if you don't like him. Okay, that's, that's what really it what it is. Isn't that the vibe that that you pick up? It's essentially it's like people that have some kind of incentive to not work for James O'Keefe, whether it be people that want control of Project Veritas, like on the board or whatever. If he's inhibiting, do you have a will or a trust? It can be scary to think about death, but not having a plan in place if something happens is far scarier. Thanks to trust and will, you don't have to navigate the complicated and confusing process of estate planning alone. They make it accessible, affordable, and way easier than you thought it could be. Trust and Will walks you through the whole process step by step. Each will or trust is state-specific, and you can customize it to your own needs, including guardianship, healthcare preferences, power of attorney, and final arrangements. You'll have easy access and control of all your estate planning documents in one convenient place with bank-level encryption. And you'll reduce the burden on loved ones by helping them avoid complicated probate proceedings and family disagreements, all starting at just $199. Join hundreds of thousands of families and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your state plan documents at trustandwill.com Tim. That's trustandwill.com Tim. Activities they want, you know, because he is ide- ideological, which is the point of Project Veritas. Like the whole point of it is he's ideological and, and they're looking to, you know, uncover bias and stuff. Um, so I, I, I think that it's it's it seems like it's all emotionally motivated, at, you know, with people that have some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of benefit from James, from James O'Keefe I, not running Project Veritas. To play devil's advocate. Uh, on the side of the people that are creating this letter, because I love James and his work, is that maybe in the last year, stress has been getting to James. Like, I, I feel like I can f- empathize with what he's been going through the last year. Like, he, I saw him tweet out, like, I'm not suicidal, by the way. Like, you don't tweet that out if you're not stressed out. Like, obviously, no, oh, no, I don't, I don't buy it. Look, look, look like, at this. I, I don't believe this. I literally don't believe it. I've had people saying, like, Tim must be so stressed out. And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm like, People make up stories yeah. about you, man. Look at this. Make up a lot at of Democracy stories. Partners Trial in Public, I was yelled at in front of jurors because he was hungry. And then he took the eight-month pregnant woman sandwich. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, am I supposed to believe that James O'Keefe, like, walked up to an eight-month pregnant woman and was like, give me your sandwich, I'm hungry, and snatched it from her? <laughs> that, it, that sounds like something someone made up to make him sound bad. Well, right, because if I take something from you, it could be because I went over and grabbed it out of your hand, or it could be because you offered it to me, and then I took it. I, I, I will. <laughs> Sorry, that, I, I really don't that's think true. that it, I don't think that the person that's accusing James, I don't think they're saying that the child gave him the sandwich. I think that he, they're no, an eight they're month a, pregnant woman. Oh, okay. So, well, I still I don't feel like she he might have been like this. Well, maybe, look, maybe, I'm hungry. Maybe, Can I have that? Wrong. And she's like, okay. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. On, maybe, your, wrong. on your on your suicide point, Ian. I mean, I'd have to know the context, but I know it's a common thing. Like literally, just I start out from the beginning with the Yiki thing about the suicide. So I don't know the context in which he said it. It could have been like a snarky remark with O'Keefe with the kind of things he covered. He's obviously alluding like hey if something happens to me it wasn't me that's you know, exactly that kind of it's like a tweet yeah like he just said it in a tweet Look, like yeah. a couple sentences elon's been doing some similar things mm-hmm. i'm sure he's under an immense amount of stress right now i i've talked about how people claimed i went to their house in boston and walked in their house at two in the morning and turned the tv on and people tweet that kind of stuff and they believe it. Mm-hmm. I look at this and I'm like, James walked up to a pregnant woman and <laughs> stole her sandwich. Yeah. That's the thing. Take is not steal. Yeah. She, he but, might have but, asked her and she said yes. That's what not been happy about so, it. So, so, so consider this too. It, it may be that so, they're greatly exaggerating these things. Look, man, I, got, I, I kind of feel like, I'll put it this way. I worked for nonprofits. Imagine you have an, an organization founded by somebody else. They're ideologically driven. We have a mission. This is what we're going to do. And this is why we do it. And you're like, I want $5 million in cash. This organization's got 50 million bucks, but James won't let me pay myself. 
we got to get rid of James. These are the kind of thing that happens when these are the kind of things that happen at big companies after a long period of time. They want to get rid of the person in charge who's motivated by a mission. There's a saying that um, there a, a buddy of mine was was an entrepreneur said some people are good at starting companies and some people are good at running companies. Some people are founders. Some people are CEOs. Somebody founds a company and then they hand it off to the CEO. The CEOs are very different from the founders. So my view of this is just my personal opinion and my bias. Because like when I, I mean, the sandwich thing really is there. And then there's also some other, there's something else I want to show you. If I would, let me, let me first ask you guys this. When you think of Project Veritas, who do you think of? James O'Keefe. O'Keefe. Hands down. Yeah. James right O'Keefe is Project Veritas. That's not what they think. They're, they're, here's, here's an image. Look at this. There is honestly no Project Veritas without us. You know, look, partially true. This is our moment to make history. I hope James can realize we're doing this out of love for the mission. Yeah, that's that's all that's all created in their own head. If, when they start saying that they're doing things for, out of love that are bad for a person, that's rationalizing doing something they know is immoral and bad. So I'm, I'm I think that Tim's right on. Maybe. I think that they're they're I, motivated by. I work. It. Could be tough love. Oh uh, no, no, ousting him like this abruptly. Yeah, I don't know. I worked for several nonprofits. All right, not in this context either. And here's what happens, because these organizations don't function like the same kind of companies. People who work here work for a mission. They're not, part of the reason you get paid less when you work at a nonprofit is because you're doing something you want to do for a mission. And so at every single nonprofit office I worked, these, these are all events, fundraising, street canvassing, et cetera. They had a policy, all of them, to fire every single person in the office the moment a person starts expressing demoralization. I mean, like morale. And so the fear was, if somebody starts getting upset and feeling aggravated or aggrieved, they'll go to a person in another room and go, yo, what's going on, man? And they're like, nothing, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm so sick of this, man. And like, James was talking to me and I'm just, I'm tired of it, man. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? James has yelled at you, have Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes. And then what happens is the negativity and the demoralization starts spreading from person to person where they get angrier and angrier. Then they all start going to each other. This, this has happened at... Every office I've worked, my argument's always been, you need to have a company-wide meeting. You need to have a pizza party. You need to make people feel good. You can't just fire everybody, but this is what they do. They churn and burn. They, they, they just burn through people. I'm wondering if a component of this is somebody who wants James O'Keefe ousted from the organization, wants control of the assets and resources, is going around telling people like, yeah, like that, that time he yelled at you, remember? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. and they took that woman's sandwich. Yeah, yeah, he did do that. And yeah. then a week later, they're like, remember when you told me, you told me that he yelled at you and took that woman's sandwich? Yeah, we wrote that down, signed the paper, and they go, oh, okay. The Boom. thing is, once you make accusations against people too, regardless of what the truth is and regardless of how easy it is to disprove it, they'll run with that narrative. So in New Hampshire, for example, there was this uh, Senate senator race going on. There was uh, Don Balduck against Maggie Hassan. And Joa from Breaking the Flaw, who's a co-host on Free Talk Live with me, he was at this protest and he was definitely, you know, being annoying and getting in people's faces, but he never touched anybody, never laid a hand on anyone. And Don Baldick basically just lied and said that he attacked him and hit him. And, um, you know, there was video footage of everything that was going on. And we released it from the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, showing that they never touch each other at all or anything. But it just ran with it. And then the Democrats were picking it up, too, even though they could use this as an attack against Baldick. They knew that it 
you know, it would have been very easy to say, like, look, this guy isn't telling the truth. But just because a narrative was put out there, it's impossible to disprove it, even if you have all the video footage and everything. So, well, there's that's because there's a there is a motivated block of people to a motivate a block of people that are motivated to believe it or at right. least to spread it, even if they don't actually believe it. Pile on culture. Yeah. Which is like it's it's, it's a tough justification to not utilize false accusations against your enemy. Because it's like they're your enemy and you need to win. If, if it's the combat state of mind conflict, anything to get the job done in those situations. But when like the culture, when you're having communication, it's like, I mean, I know that desire. Like, I want this so bad that I'm willing to accept falsehoods to get it. It's just not the right ethics. I think that's sloppy it's- tactics, though. I think that the move, if you're smart, you sit back, you evaluate the battlefield, you wait, you find something accurate, something that will literally pierce the enemy's heart, if you will. And that's what you go for. Like, I mean, obviously, maybe you can make disinformation over work for you sometimes, but I think in the long run, it's a failing strategy. But sometimes it's just a really long run. Yeah. <laughs> you wish it would go faster. Uh, I'm not so confident that it actually is a failing strategy. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, all's fair in love and war is a phrase for a reason. Uh, underhanded tactics frequently work, even if they're under, underhanded. And uh, I think that you see that in modern politics pretty clearly. I mean, it's not. It's not rare for a politician to lie about their opponent or to exaggerate or to pick up uh, a Republican that attacks a Republican. The, it's not unusual for a Democrat to pick up the the uh, attack if the person is leading, you know. So I really do think that uh, the the all's fair in love and war thing is is predominant in, in yeah, but at how least do, this particular yeah, issue. But how do people feel about the government right now? How do they feel about Congress? You know, I mean, that's my long... It might be... It's a it's a kind of how, how much your time preference. How long are you willing to look out in the future? So here we are now. We're like the Congress is like it's like lowest level ever. But everyone hates <laughs> Congress for different reasons. Yes. You, ask, you ask most people and they are happy with their own Congress people. The people they don't like are the Congress people that get in the way of the policies that their congressperson is looking to, you know, looking to push forward. After last night, we did a show at Congress in Lauren Boebert's office. I gained a new love for those people and that building and the the Congress itself. It felt very inviting. Like it, it, it. A lot of people really want to do good, and they have different inviting. tactics. It was real inviting. I'm one trying day. really hard not to make a January 6th joke, Phil. <laughs> it was, it was, sho- <laughs> it was shocking how how at home I felt there. How like good it felt. The people are like at this level of, of what we talk about on the show kind of like all of them are at this I think then I guess there's a lot of probably older Congress people that aren't fired up and those people are just like you know playing paying the bill to get by I'm not as interested in that mentality but the young people that want to provoke change and, and stop crazy change is like I'm all on board with that so my, my Congress approval rating is up after yesterday, personally. That's wow. Uh, but I will, I will point out, we're not at war. This is not a war. So if people are using false accusations to get James ousted, it's not war. And all is not fair in, in legal battles. So if they're doing something underhanded, I think that that's going to get some people in a lot of trouble. Hmm. So we have this uh, video here. And it's from Project Veritas. And uh, I don't know who this guy is. It's, uh, it says, busted. Pfizer CEO Albert Borler relies on aggressive security tactics to escape Veritas journalists' questions. Do you know who this guy is? I'm not trying to be a dick to him. I don't know who he is. What's his name, Albert? This, no, this guy right here, this journalist that they have. Not yet. So I, I, people started telling me, hey, you know, they, they removed James O'Keefe, stripped him of his authority, put him on paid leave, have explained almost nothing. We had to get leaked this, this letter explaining what people were claiming, which sounds outlandish, and we've not gotten a response from James. Then they put out a video with some other dude we, I don't know oh, at the yeah. very least. James Lalino, Project Veritas reporter, standing outside the Conrad Hotel in Washington, D.C. I just got to say this, you know, isn't it, doesn't it, I, I tweeted this morning 
that all the drama was part of a plan because I was joking. And it was, people took me seriously. I said, I was like this, Steven Crowder in the Daily Wire and Tim, Tim, me in the quartering and Veritas and James O'Keefe. You don't think there's a coincidence, do you? Phase two begins soon. <laughs> and then people like thought I was being serious. I was just pointing out like, why is all of this stuff happening right now? Yeah. And then of course, you know, later in the day, you know, I, I put out an apology to Jeremy because I, I, don't, I don't think any of us have any differences in the level of, you know, what our, what our real cultural and ideological battles are in the culture war and with politics. Like, there's no real reason for me to be, you know, personally mad at Jeremy or anything like that, like, bickering like this. I, like, and I'll say that for me, like, I have, I have no reason to even bring it up. You sure, know if I mean? he was trying to put microchips in you and track your <laughs> movement, then I'd say you speak up. Or, you know, sterilize kids yeah. and things like that. Central so that's why I'm like, watching the Veritas stuff, watching the Crowder stuff, and all of this happening in the past couple of weeks, and then these other stories about people, get, these, these Republicans getting shot, I'm kind of like, hey, yo, let's not, like, I, I, I don't know, man, look, you, y'all can tell me I'm wrong about everything, you can insult me, you can say, uh, Tim, you, you did bad, I will accept all of that, I don't want this to fall apart. I will, I will gladly accept. You can unsubscribe. You can unfollow. You can not be a member anymore. I will, I will gladly step back and say the worst possible thing right now with all of this going on is infighting. And, I'm, and, and you know, I'm sorry. I don't want this to happen. I don't, I don't want things to get worse. This, this freaks me out. So I'm sure there's, like, multiple levels of drama. But um, as far as the right having this civil war, I'm actually extremely glad it's happening. I think Jose might agree with me because it seems to be separating the wheat from the chaff in a lot of ways, like this whole DeSantis versus Trump stuff that's going on and just seeing everyone turn on each other, uh, seeing, you know, Matt Gates actually stand up against um, uh, McCarthy being elected speaker, stuff like that. Like, it's uncomfortable, but it's actually kind of like forcing the right to evolve, if you know what I mean. It, it is, but, you know, the reason I, I, I think Matt Gates is fantastic. You know, I, said this, I said this on the show the other day, and he brought it up that he's my favorite member of Congress, and I'm like, well, look, man, he defended Ilhan Omar, someone he shouldn't, mm-hmm. on a principled ground that made sense, and I respect that, and then he voted to have her removed on a logical ground that made sense, and I'm like, I get what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He, so, you know, he said he gives Speaker McCarthy an A rating now, they stood up. They they did what they had to do. They 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 stood up on principle. When it came to Swalwell and Schiff being removed from their committees, he said that makes sense. They lied about intelligence. I agree. He said removing Ilhan Omar because she said things you don't like doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't sit well with me. However, Ilhan Omar voted to remove Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gosar, so that's the standard she set. So he's. I'm like that's actually logical. That that makes sense. I can respect that tremendously. So when looking at the the McCarthy stuff. That I'm in favor of, mm-hmm. you know, them standing up to the establishment saying we get these concessions, but I don't see any net gain in all of us at the base level fighting with each other at all. I, I, I don't I don't see any of us succeeding if all of, all of us on the exact same time, we all find reason to have beef with each other. You know what I mean? It helps you uh, identify good faith actors, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's really. Yeah, I know it splits things up. And it, to me, I see I see like crises and stuff like this almost inevitable. I think you're almost better to make the best of it. And to what this was, was this was a, you're able to identify things. From here, you're able to see who your in-group was, who your out-group was, uh, who's willing to act in good faith, who's not. I mean, that's not to say there are perfect actors on the other side, but you can tell, uh, I mean, throughout all this drama, there's been so many crazy claims and it allows you to be like, yeah, I probably won't work with that person, probably not going to interact with them, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to cause a problem over it, but it allows you to be able to see the battlefield, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this is, this, this is the, the, the challenge that I basically see with all of this stuff is... You know, Verit- this should not be happening at Veritas at all. 
if they've got problems with James O'Keefe, they should not have handled this way. This is this is horrible mismanagement. Made me take stock of what I was doing, and I'm like, I shouldn't be so reckless and brash and and arrogant at the same because like I, I see that, and then it reflects on me. What am I doing? This is a this is a bad way to handle it, especially if we're trying to be strategic and and tactful, so that we can focus on issues like I don't know people smuggling eggs over the Mexican border because the prices are so <laughs> insane. Like things we actually have to accomplish because we're concerned that they're letting non-citizens vote in Washington, D.C. or New York yeah. or, or, or outright, as many people are pointing out, censorship due to people filing false privacy claims or legal challenges, exploiting the system to gain some kind of political power. And I can respect that. So at that point, I'm just like, time is our most precious commodity. And I've heard from so many of my listeners who have asked for my advice about how they can spend it wisely to improve themselves and the people around them. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. I personally recommend you sign up for Constitution 101. The Meaning and History of the U.S. Constitution. In this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it has been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in Constitution 101. Our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Tim to enroll. There's no cost, and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash Tim to register. Hillsdale.edu slash Tim. Yeah, we. Th- th- I, I'm genuinely freaked out. Not to mention, you know what really does it is like, we can have drama and, and whatever, and I'm kind of like, Whatever. And then I see these two Republicans in Jersey get killed, and I'm kind of like, okay, guys, let's let's get serious. We're you know we're we're, we're let's like let's, let's get serious. You yeah, we're I mean? we're lucky to be able to experience drama in a conversational way. That's we're very privileged in this society to be able to hash it out with words before it would ever come to anything other than that. We can we can, you know, I, I put it this way. I might I might, you you mentioned it allows you to see who you might not want to work with and who you want to work with. We can see the camps, right? The audience sizes here and a different audience here. And there's some overlap and some people get mad this way and some people get mad that way. And I'm just like, but why are we mad at each other? I, sh- I shouldn't be, be doing that because the people over there are doing really messed up stuff. They're lying to the American people. They're spreading false intelligence. They're putting ankle weights on a president who gave us the best economic numbers in a generation and then resulted in us getting a Joe Biden who gives us some of the worst and I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I think we've got to we've got to make sure we're focused on that stuff. You know, well, I oh, I was thinking, well, you go for it. Right now. You triggered him with the uh, Trump economics. Oh, yeah. Well, ahead. I mean, that's part. <laughs> I do have to address that. I mean, we were definitely when Trump ran for president in 2016, he even said we're living in a bubble. It's going to pop. This mm-hmm. isn't actually a good economy until he was president. And then suddenly it was the greatest economy in the world until it crashed when he's gone. You know, I, I don't think that has much to do with uh Trump or Biden or Obama. It's more about the Federal Reserve policies we had over that time. But that aside, sure. I think it's important. I, I think the fox in the hen or the the wolf in sheep's clothing is more dangerous than the fox in the hen house. So like an obvious enemy 
is less of a threat because it's easy to point out. It's easy to say this person is dangerous and they're against what we stand for. When you have somebody, I would say like Trump, who virtue signals on a lot of important issues, but then nine times out of 10, when it comes down to it, he goes along with whatever the establishment wants. I think that's more dangerous. I mean, under Biden, you've had legitimate right wing opposition to what he's been doing. If Trump were still president right now, I don't think you'd have nearly the amount of solidified um, opposition to what's going on in the White House. I mean, because we saw that in 2020. But when, when you look at wage wages and inflation, mm-hmm. right when Joe Biden gets put right when Joe Biden gets inaugurated, then right after he enacts a, a, a plethora of executive orders, you start to see a dramatic shift in wages starting to go down sure. and inflation starting to go up. So you think that's a coincidence? Or a, what? No, I don't think it's, it's a coincidence. Cycle, I mean, yeah. the CARES Act was the largest spending bill in U.S. history signed by Donald Trump in March of 2020. The COVID Relief Act of 2020 was the second largest spending bill signed into law by President Trump in December of 2020. And so, sure, Biden's energy policy does nothing to help. It definitely makes it worse. But to act like printing trillions and trillions of dollars out of midair when we had a Republican president and locking the economy down, which wasn't his fault. I'm not blaming him. I mean, it was Democrat governors. Sure. Well, Republican governors, too. Yeah, both. But to act like that wouldn't have, you know, effects regardless of whether or not he gets elected. Like even if Donald Trump got reelected and was still president, you would have 95 percent of this inflation. The inflation is increasing the money supply. I mean, I I, I agree to the extent that the spending was bad, but also it, you take a look at the, for one, like obviously the energy policy of, of Joe Biden, but you take a look at a whole bunch of other things. I mean, they're, they're, they're enacting policy based on ideological ends. Joe Biden literally said he was going to end fossil fuels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before the pandemic, the, the economy was the best numbers of our lives, obviously not during the pandemic. So if you get a knee-jerk reaction that results in mass spending and panic, but you have a tendency among Democrats for harsh and total lockdown, you get uh, a Joe Biden who starts speaking about the lockdowns only to blue states and not red states. And then, you know, previous to this, you had some red states saying no and opening back up. You get a Joe Biden that comes into office and acts a bunch of uh, uh, policies. You get the Inflation Reduction Act, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then you watch in real time as inflation continually gets worse, stagnates at extremely high levels or continues to get worse. Yeah, I think if Donald Trump was president, we probably have better economic policy. I think things would probably be recovering. Well, you got a DeSantis because you had Biden. I don't think you would have had a DeSantis under Trump. DeSantis, and I've got lots of issues with DeSantis, but when he was opposing the COVID regime in Florida, where Jose is living, um, I think a lot of that was because there was political will to have a dissenter to the, you know, the official narrative that Joe Biden was putting out. With Donald Trump, I think that would have been a lot less likely. I think if you have a central authority figure that people can hate and they can actually oppose, not just like in a virtue signaling way and not just in an emotional way, but actually come out against it, that's how you get an actual... I think a good example of what Reed's getting at is just a quick little thing. The majority of gun control gets pushed through under Republican presidents. And the reason why is because of exactly what he's saying. When you have someone like a Biden in office, you actually get a legitimate Republican pushback. Whereas you have somebody like a a, a conservative in office, you know, they're able to push through these huge bills or these things would typically be not conservative because no one wants to rock the boat. And I I just want to clarify that if I had to compare Joe Biden with Donald Trump, I do prefer Donald yeah. Trump's policies to Joe Biden. I'm just talking you're, you're, from you're a coming, reactionary you're, well, you're, perspective. You're coming at it from a, a libertarian's perspective. Sure. So, so the, the underlying statement that you're making is 
Donald Trump is not a libertarian, which I don't think he's not even a Republican. Well, I mean, he's 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 a he's a progressive Republican, probably along. He's a 90s Democrat. Yeah, that's and that's fair and, and that's fine. But if you're arguing that Donald Trump is not libertarian enough for you, that's a legitimate argument because. Donald Trump wasn't trying to be libertarian. Well, I've, so it's, it's it's fair to say that Donald Trump isn't libertarian enough for libertarian people. And and I I I mean most of your, your criticisms I agree because I think you know I right. I prefer a smaller government. But holding Donald Trump to the libertarian standard and saying well he's not a libertarian and when everybody that's a Donald Trump supporter is going to go duh we don't care I don't yeah. think that's you know what I mean saying. that's I not my argument my argument interplay between the different parties but my ahead. argument is actually to achieve libertarian policies is easier on a state level under Joe Biden than it would be under Donald Trump because it's easier to rally opposition to Joe Biden like uh, stuff that's happened in Florida stuff that's happened in New sure. Hampshire it's very easy because it's easy to rile up your right wing neighbor and say, do you want Joe Biden to be able to have federal jurisdiction over what happens in New Hampshire? And they'll say, hell no. And, they'll, you know, let's bring up this story then. Sure. We have this from TimCast.com. Second New, New Jersey Republican elected official shot and killed within a week. Authorities have not ad- identified a motive, but confirmed the victim was the intended target. This is Milford Borough Councilman Russell Heller was murdered by a co-worker at a PSENG facility. So we don't know exactly why. Maybe it's not political, perhaps. But we also had Eunice Dwumfer, who was shot to death in a vehicle outside her home. And when asked uh, if this was political, the DA said that they didn't, uh, you know, they said something along, along uh, to the effect of, you know, please don't make, you know, we don't want to answer that right now or something, something like that. So I, I don't know if this is political, but uh, we certainly are seeing extremist rhetoric. We just had a bunch of leftists storm into a Capitol building. Oh, insurrection or whatever. <laughs> and uh, in the previous segment, we were talking about, uh, Reed, you were mentioning that it's easier to drum up opposition to uh, right, like legitimate opposition to Joe Biden to get in Republican or libertarian policies because you have, you know, that the president and it would be a lot more difficult under Trump. But I guess looking at this, I kind of feel like even with a president, Joe Biden, the media is still screaming the right is the deep threat. You still have. I mean, is it a coincidence that two Republican elected officials were just shot and killed in New Jersey in one week? Maybe. Um, Is it political? It might not be. I'm kind of leaning towards two Republican officials being shot and killed in the span of a week. I at least lean towards the hypothesis. We should look into whether this is political, considering the rhetoric from the media and everything like that. So if we've got a, a Democrat in office, shouldn't shouldn't things be calming down, at least as far as the leftist rhetoric is? It's it's more hyped up and amped up than ever. Yeah, well, I think the revolutionaries hype, that we have to worry about. I think the hyped up rhetoric is what causes a lot of the right wing opposition to the Democrats in charge. So, for example, like people who didn't pay attention to politics at all four years ago, after the last two years, when they're suddenly a science denying, uh, you know, conspiracy theorist or whatever, and uh, they're an enemy of intelligence agencies or whatever. Suddenly they start to care about FBI, the, the FBI having as much power as it does. They start caring about how much control the government has over what you can put into your body, all these different things. So, yes, there is a lot more uh, political um, turmoil, but I think that that has actually woken up a lot of people who wouldn't have said things that sound like what I say nowadays, four years ago, they never would have dreamed of it, but now it's just their regular rhetoric because they've become so used. Shifting the Overton window. Yes. The chaos kind of produced by a weak president forces people to establish local order. If you don't, it won't. they won't do it for you. I think that Yeah, that's part apparent. of it, too. I mean, that's not what I meant, but that's part of it, too, is the weakness of Joe Biden 
uh, people gravitate toward their governor if their governor is, you know, strong. And I, I, I like that decentralization. I would rather people, you know, invest in their own state government instead of worrying about what the federal government's doing. I'm with you on the wolf in sheep's clothing being more dangerous than the, than the uh, fox in the hen house, except that the, 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 the obvious fool here, Joe, I'm calling you out because you <laughs> surrendered to the Taliban. The, the, the absolute mishandling of our military and the loss of life accrued by Joe Biden he because of that surrender. The Taliban and he surrendered to China. He, the fact that he allowed the balloon to just cross the, the country without doing anything and now it's coming out that, that, uh, that they were monitoring and there was uh, radio frequencies that they were monitoring. The China, I mean, it, he's neglected the national security, the national security of the U.S. entirely. So it, it has caused people to step up at a local level and take control of their lives. But whether or not we're better off having a weak president, I don't know because that loss of life in Afghanistan is absolutely that's going to hang on my. I just got to talk about <laughs> Afghanistan real quick because the problem with Afghanistan is that we stayed too long. Joe, Bi- uh, sorry, Donald Trump made a deal with the Taliban. That we would be out of Afghanistan. I think it was May first of twenty twenty. Was that twenty twenty one? Yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yep. And then Joe Biden came in, and he was an arrogant ass, and he said, "No, we are going to leave on September eleventh because I'm not going to have Donald Trump's stupid Afghanistan withdrawal plan." So we stayed an extra what four and a half months. No, didn't get people out. Then the no, Taliban. That, that that's not the pro- that's not the problem with with Afghanistan. The problem with that with with Afghanistan was he got the combat troops out. What you do is you point guns at all the bad guys and get your people out and leave the guys with the guns pointed at the bad guys on the ground. And the guys with the gun with the guns they leave last. Or yeah, Joe Biden no, sure. got everybody out, and, and that, that was the problem. So people it was were being an, killed and, on and cars outside the Air Force aban- Base he, by he, Taliban. He abandoned Bagram Air Force Base. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to withdraw from Afghanistan. And I agree, like, we should not have been there. We should have been there at all. Yeah. But the one thing you do is you tell the local security partners, this, the Afghan forces, hey, go set up security over the next two weeks to lock down the Air Force Base to secure these areas. Uh, they needed to make sure that they had logistics for their for the for their aircraft, for the helicopters, for the for the jets or whatever they were using. One of the problems we heard was that there were people, Afghan security forces, literally flying at the time when Biden abandoned the country, and all of a sudden all their logistics get cut off, and they have no idea what's going yeah. on. The Taliban, without communication, there was no defense force, and so we learned in the middle of the night they abandoned the air force base, say nothing, and locals went in and started looting the place. They gave everything to the Taliban. The, and that's why the, I called a surrender. The stra- literal, you surrender equipment or items or people. Well, what Reed and Jose are talking about is strategy, which is the way that you know Biden came in and, and wanted to have the the exit on September 11th for a look. But the major problem with the withdrawal from Afghanistan was tactical. It was the way that they actually did it. They didn't set security to get the. The, the non-combatants out to get the get the people that were helping the Americans, whether they be Afghans or whether they be other other countries or whatever, the all the U.S. nationals, all the civilians, all the, the you know, whether you like CIA or not, get all the CIA assets out, get all the assets out. And then you take big army out. Then you take the guys with the guns out and the guys with the guns all point guns at everybody and say, no, you're not doing anything. And then they, they all get on a plane and leave. But you don't take the, the security forces out first. Yeah, it, was so all, I, it was the major problem was tactical. I agree with you on that. Like, I mean, there's no yeah. disagreement that the civilians come out first. But when you make a deal with the Taliban, which is the most official government yeah. in Afghanistan, 
we will be gone in May, which is what Donald Trump told them in 2020. Yes. And then Joe Biden comes in and drags his feet. Yes. Doesn't get the people out of there. And like you said, take the military out last. Yes. Be out by May. That's what he should have done. Yes. Well, my, but he, I, I argue that if you give your enemy uh, a date, I'll be out by January 1st. January 1st comes and you're like, you know, I'm not ready. This is war, dude. Yeah, okay, exactly. You wait till I leave because we have you. We are at war. I mean. They're lucky they're still alive. The Americans could have nuked the entire country if they wanted to. And we Well, they look you, at it the same way though. The Taliban, if you've made a deal with them, like we're going to be gone by this time, and then you're not. I mean, they feel the same way that we feel about them attacking our guys. It's like, "Look, dude, you said you were going to be gone. You're in our country." And that wasn't even the first day I think we've given them. We've kept them jerking their chain for forever, I believe. You know, setting state after date after date. There was at least multiple other ones from what I recollect. I'm not as good in for it. It just ended up you, being yeah. like uh, I think it was actually September 1st when we yeah. left. It ended up being I'm but. all about the horrendous why were we even there in the first place? It's mm-hmm. insane. Get out as soon as possible. But it, it wasn't done right. No, no, it, no it, disagreement it was there. Out. I think it would have been a crap show either way, to be honest. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's definitely probably room to say, you know, could it have been handled better? Maybe Trump's plan was better. I don't know. But at the end of the day, like, I don't think, like, let's be real. The Taliban's the Taliban. And we didn't really have anything set in place, nor would we ever have had something in place to, to, to resist this. So it was going to be a crap show no matter what. It's just a matter to what degree. Now, I no. think, like... Okay. I think the military I think the military knows that there is a proper way to withdraw forces from a hostile area. I think the military like there's I think there are better ways probably. Yes. Well yeah, I mean I mean I don't I don't think there's gonna be any situation that ends up looking good, you know. Well, I mean, I don't know, but you I don't know. I think that they they probably could have kept. I think they probably could have kept things. <laughs> they could have kept cool. down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like you don't need bombs going off, and you don't need to take your security force out before you get your your. You your also had Trump's out. generals lying to him about the yep. status oh, yeah. of how things were in those countries. That was you a, know, yep. a train wreck. Yeah, I was saying this the other night with the members of Congress. If we were able to get another Trump term without the weights on his legs, with Russia Gate and the other lies and the manipulation of the nonsense, I think things would be would go swimmingly. It would be it would be amazing what we would see. I, I genuinely believe Trump wanted us out of these foreign wars. I genuinely believe he wanted us to have no involvement as world police. I, I genuinely believe he wants to secure our borders, bring factories back, and start improving these things. You know, I, I think like you guys were saying, he's a '90s Democrat or whatever. Yeah. But what you get with uh, with him is Russia Gate investigations, lies, manipulations, Ukraine Gate impeachment scandal. And so even with all of that, I've heard from so many people back in 2019 about how it was the best year of their lives in terms of making money and and seeing their companies grow and and getting better jobs. Now we have Joe Biden and everything's just bad. I mean, it's bad. We the the, I talk about this local racetrack, the horse track. They want to reopen the restaurant so you can hang out, have a burger and watch the horses run. That sounds like an awesome time, but they can't find any workers. We, we tried getting people to come out here and do work on our, on our HVAC, and they just ghost us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how, how, how messed up it is right now. I, yeah, I, so, wonder, uh, I wonder if you guys at, listening at home are, are experiencing similar things where like people just don't want to work. And I, I think what we were, saying, we were hearing the other day from Byron Donalds is that with the stimulus package and, and the money that was being given out, pushed largely by Democrats, you get demand high but supply low because nobody is working to produce anything it's going to drive prices way up oh yeah no disagreement there and this isn't to excuse any of biden's policies biden's policies have a hundred percent made things way worse but we were already living in a bubble when you know after the uh, 2008 crash you know things started building up and then we were living on low interest rates things were artificially you know more popping than they should have been there was going to be something that pricked the bubble 
eventually. If I were Donald Trump, I personally wouldn't have wanted to get reelected in the end of 2020. I would have read the writing on the wall and been yeah, like, it was things are going to suck next year and the year after, regardless of who the president is. It's the boom Biden's bus cycle. definitely made things yeah. worse, but... Yeah, it's the boom-bust cycle. It's just we print a bunch of money. It, the, the money gets artificially inflated. seems to be a better deal than it is, and we, keep, and we convince ourselves that's great, and so we keep on doing it, keep on doing it, until eventually the floor falls out and pff, right back down again. Do that's, you guys... Oh, that's the vibe I get with Jim Cramer when he there's a quote where he was like, "Is the best year of our lives or the best, you know, but I think what happened is the the, the inflation balloon had expanded to its capacity. So yes. it was like, this is no. the biggest the balloon has ever yep. been. Uh, guys, I don't I don't think that the bubbles popped. I mean, the air's coming out fast. I, but I don't I'm like it's like if you if you're of the opinion that the the you know the economy was overheated and they printed too much money and things you know are gonna get bad if you're of the of that opinion things have not even come close to how going bad to they're going to correct. get because yeah. you're because the 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 bubble in the dollar has not gone away. Me and Serge were actually Definitely. talking about this before. Uh, it, it was funny in the the before show, whatever thing he does. Um, I, actually, my buddy Clint, uh, Clint, uh, Clint Russell, we we talked about this before, and he, he has a theory that he thinks likely probably within the next ten years uh, China will probably collapse monetarily in some form. Now that'll likely cause some sort of deflationary pressure, which will then boost us back up, and so then we get that juice that like you know, woo, we're, everything's great, it's awesome. But he we're, said China. China, just because you know the way they the way they expand, how yeah. we expand, we expand militarily. They expand with money because uh, they're far more communist, and they've you know it exponential over time. It's building up. So I mean, it's, a, it's just a matter of it's the same idea with the boom bust cycle over here, but to a greater degree. So it's just a matter of when does this pop? I don't know. I would say likely. I mean, I don't know. Could somehow it could be papered over. Something else could happen. But let's say their money did bust. That would cause a deflationary pressure over here to where we kind of sort of get sucked back into a boom. And if that happens, then what happens when we convince ourselves we're great all over again and we're like, oh, no problem, and just keep on going like we do. And then the floor comes again later and it's even lower. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that's the case, then you, you're yeah. essentially everyone's got a little bit of time to prepare or a little more time. To yeah, prepare. that's better. But it's, <laughs> you, know? you got to be mindful and look at it from a bigger picture so you understand yeah. that. You can but still if, yeah. move to New Hampshire. It's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> so like how you were saying the U.S. was spread out militarily, kind of like the British Empire yeah. with India, yeah. for instance. And then India had a revolution and Britain lost all that revenue coming out of India. So would it be a Chinese economic revolution where like Chinese companies are in Afghanistan, but one day those people will be like, actually, we live here. I just we're mean they're doing, they're inflating their money at a higher... Uh, these last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. 
how do I put this? At a higher rate than we are. So they are they're going like this, whereas we're going like this. So they're more likely they're going to boom at some or bust at some point. Like the the, the money is not sound with what they're doing. Like they you can't just print money forever. Eventually, it goes down. That's why they have whole ghost cities and stuff yeah, like that where no say, one lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just their money, but it's also their architecture and everything. Like if you look at the ghost cities, like he's talking, they have the homeless problem. But they also have these giant cities that nobody lives in. It's you almost know. like communism is a bad form of economics. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> I know they're a mix. They're sort of like a mixed thing. I get. You it know, when, when world military superpowers start to go bankrupt, mm-hmm. they tend to look outside of their borders for resources. Like the Nazis, uh, the Germans, when they were destroyed after World War One, they almost had you could argue no choice but to invade foreign countries for to repopulate or repurpose. But what? Like if they lose their pipelines. But with the petrodollar, we don't have to worry about that the way past empires had to. Because people are forced to use our currency to buy things. So we just, we don't got to do anything. We just point guns and then say, use our money or else. We just got to aid in a genocide in Yemen. So the Saudis will keep, you know, printing dollars, uh, printing oil in dollars. Uh, Peter Zihan, are you guys familiar with his, how to pronounce his last name? Zihan Zihan. He's a brilliant guy. He was on Rogan a few weeks ago. On Rogan. That's so funny. Riding on his shoulders. Um. Mm -hmm. But he said that China would be gone in five years. I don't know gone. what exactly he meant. Yeah. And, and that we'd be, it was almost like, a, I'm not hopeful. I don't know what to think about that. Because like, I mean, the, the Soviet Union dissipated relatively peacefully. So. Yeah. They, they broke up. They, I don't you know, know that. I'm not sure it was relatively peacefully. I mean, there was, there was a lot of turmoil in. Preferable. The, just for how <laughs> yeah, big it is. It's preferable it to like an international war. But I think if you go to like. The former Soviet states that are no longer Soviet states, the 90s were real rough. There are still people in the Soviet in Russia that long for the days of the Soviet Union because they remember the 90s. And it's the 90s were really, really, really hard in Eastern Europe and, in, and the so, former Soviet states. And they don't look at freedom the way that we do because freedom for them was full of corruption and a lot of bad people that had influence in the in the 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 state before just started taking things and saying well me and my boys with the guns now own this refinery or whatever so it wasn't so peaceful it, it just we didn't see the effects here in the US of the of the breakup of the Soviet Union so so clearly let's jump to this next topic we got some Tim Cass. big news everybody i know uh, our libertarian guests are really excited to hear <laughs> meta has reinstated trump's facebook and instagram with heightened penalties other public figures whose accounts are reinstated from suspensions related to civil unrest will also face similar penalties but there it is everybody MAGA man is back. Donald Trump can now post on Facebook and Instagram, and he should, and he should also be on Twitter. But, Will uh, he? Or? I don't know, man. I think I think he's got a contract with Truth Social that says he can't for yeah. a certain period of time or something like but that. Because I want to be clear, social? Trump, his social media presence was by far my favorite thing about mm-hmm. him. Like he, was, I loved. His Twitter, I loved how he talked about You don't John say, Reed. <laughs> you don't say. I might have taken some. You're kidding, right? <laughs> it's kind of like Tim was bringing up earlier with a, if he hadn't had his like weights. And don't worry, I'm not saying he's a perfect guy. I'm not saying he's like Ron Paul or something. But if he did, if government did. Ron Paul's didn't, a perfect guy. Huh? Yeah, well, not perfect, but he's the closest idea of a politician I can think of. But if he wasn't weighed down, if the government didn't government, it'd be super awesome. Yes, the incentives point a certain way. And like it was, if you, like, for example, I think if like a Ron Paul got in office, I think it would probably be a similar thing either he'd take a, a ride down uh, in dallas or he would end up you know some way being tied down this way or that to where he wasn't really able to get the things he done he wanted done the same way trump was because there are certain incentives in place when you start rocking the boat it, it doesn't work out well usually yeah you got to have the american population rock the boat for you and then you just make sure that you don't veto 
their changes when they rock it to where it needs to be rocked to. Uh, but if you go up there and try to become the president and make all the changes yourself, you're just an easy target. I mean, I, I honestly don't have any faith at all in like the in politics in general, but especially at a federal level. I think but, once you get down more local, you get more to where you can actually have uh, results, even down to the individual. I think as you, an individual, you can make your life better more than you can fix the federal government. You, know? you, you don't think Trump is perfect? No. <laughs> Have you not seen his body when he's golfing? It's yeah. true. Very bigly. <laughs> he Very might be the most healthy president ever. Too, too healthy, actually. The healthiest. <laughs> too, too healthy. Oh, yeah, too good of health. He had to, get, he had to, he had to, to uh, slow down. Fatten up <laughs> for the role. I do miss him. I'll, I mean, I'm glad yes. that like we're starting to see him more. Um, and I mean, I, I, I just loved the comedic value oh he brought God, to everything. Yeah. He was it was just so, so much good. fun. He initiated oh. Clown World. <laughs> so I'm really much did. fun. I want to meet him because I'm tired of talking about him like third person. Donald, come on the show. And what doesn't he not own Truth Social? So yeah. how could he? Did he sign? You guys got to get uh, my you friend can... Eric Jackman on here. He does the perfect Trump impersonations. <laughs> you got to check check out Jackman Radio on Twitter. Do a full everybody, go follow in, in Trump. Oh Trump God, he Trump has seen him act as himself and he approved of it he had him come up on stage and congratulated him and everything phil's seen it it's great it's, it's so. a good it's a good trump he's impression. losing weight though he's been getting in shape so good on you buddy yeah, but he's trying to emulate trump trump's perfect health so <laughs> oh, awesome <laughs> well, so tim you were saying even as an owner of a company you can yeah you can have contract with yourself so i mean i don't think he owns truth social 100 i think they're a spac so they have shareholders and stuff like that and then in order to do this deal if, if people are going to buy shares of this company, they need to know that Trump's not going to abandon it. Yep. So the company says, you to know, increase his own valuation. He made a deal that he wouldn't leave. He would. But it's not exclusive. just him. There's other people involved in the company who yeah. say, if we're going to do this, if we're going to work a company with you, you got to agree not to go to other platforms. So my understanding is that he can post on truth and then he can link to his truth post. Ah. So he can post on Twitter or something like. I called that fat pig out and then linked to Truth, and then Truth shows the bigger one. Only Rosie O'Donnell. And there's like a time frame, too. He can post it on Truth, and after a certain amount of time, he can then post it on Twitter or somewhere else. But he's got to get back on his platforms, man. So and didn't Elon say he was going to like out, he wasn't going to allow just nothing but posting to another platform? Wasn't there something he said about I that? I think he walked that back. Okay. And, and the funny thing is everyone got really mad at him about that, but that's literally the policy of every social media platform. If you use the platform just to link out to a different platform, you can get suspended or get your, your post removed. YouTube especially, they'll ban you outright because people would do this thing where they'd make a live stream saying, go watch the show on Twitch instead. And then YouTube's like, nah, you can't do that. Delete. So Elon says, we'll do the same thing. If you're only linking out to somebody else, we're going to, you know, it's, you can't do that. Everybody got mad. And I, it's t t Twitter's a different platform, you know? So um, Truth Social is owned by Trump Media and Technology Group, which is owned by Donald Trump, as far as I can tell. And Devin Nunez is the CEO of the parent company. But that parent company, Trump Media and Technology Group, merged with a company called Digital World Acquisition Corps in 2021, October. I don't know who owns Digital Dwack. World. Yeah, Dwack. Yeah. I don't know who owns that exactly, but I'm about to find out. I love how, like, instead of tweets, they're literally called truths. Isn't that every yeah. time? It's so weird. I don't like the brand. You don't, <laughs> it's, so it's not boomer. a verb. I know, <laughs> but it's truth. so Trump. It's so Trumpy. I just like, love it. Truth Trump. is subjective. Like, so uh, look, is Trump. <laughs> look, that, that, like, that spaceship on the table is pointing to the left. Easy, but for you, that easy. spaceship on the table is pointing to the right. Easy, so Mr. Postmodernism. Both, <laughs> both of our truths are correct. And, like, literally, that, that, that spaceship model you see right in front of you, it's yep. pointing to the left. But to you, that's not true. It depends what to you, it's pointing to the right. So, <laughs> our perspective is guiding our truth. So I, I don't like that he's claiming that he has the truth. I don't disagree with your the concept you're drawing, but it's Trump. So I just love it that he every time he says something, it's a truth. You know, it's just very it's very much the way he thinks. So, yeah, he's truthing. That's all. That's the only thing he ever does. 
Everything is a truth. But we need him back. We need him back. I don't know. I don't know why he's not. He's not posting. Maybe it's contractual obligations. Just, I have a feeling. But it's, I think it's. it's I think it's, it's time. He's I just not in touch time. with the base anymore. So Tim, do you think he would win? Because I've been amazed how many people don't think he would win now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I see the propaganda where they claim that Joe Biden would beat him by eight points, but I just roll my eyes at that. I'm not sure it matters if it's Trump or ham sandwich, so long as ballot harvesting and universal mail-in voting is the is the machine by which we're determining our elections. In 2016, he was a wrench in the in the spokes of the transition of the liberal world order to the new world order. Like he got us out of Trans Pacific Partnership day one, yeah. and they without him even knowing what he was doing probably he was smashing up the plan and they wanted him out but now i think the plan is out in the open and it's like kind of amorphous we're obviously not going techno communist no one i don't know anyone that's down to put microchips and be spied on all day by a corporation and be told when and what you can say yeah uh so let's i think maybe there's a lot more potential for him but he's older i mean congress want Matt Gates, they were, they really are hard, are bullish on Trump. I just don't think he's in touch with his base. Yeah, the whole vac stuff, and then uh, you may, I, this was definitely your thing, so I'll pass it off to you. But just I, don't, I just I don't like. I mean, I'm not a Republican, but for, I have a, I, most people I hang out with, those are like the. I feel like that's the base that he had, the kind of people I interact with on daily day to day thing. They're all like DeSantis, you know. That's what they're all about. That's what everyone's about these days. So unless he changes his messaging, maybe gets on uh, Twitter, gets riled things back up again, maybe I don't. I don't know. I, I don't see it right now. But the lot can change between now and then. Gets so. like a really young, famous, energetic vice president mm. that could breathe a lot of life into the campaign. I mean, he needs to get back into the public space. He's mm. been putting out these videos where he talks about his policy plans. And he's very much been addressing culture war issues, but he needs to just get on Twitter. And, and that's a tough thing. You know, Elon Musk buys Twitter. I'm sure Elon is like, please, Trump, come back because it's going to it's going to set the platform on fire and like in a yeah. good way. It's going to light it up. Trump's got to get out there and post those those tweets where he calls Coke garbage. Yeah. Remember that yeah. one? I'll still keep drinking that garbage, though. That's 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 what we want to see. He needs to be Trump. Trump needs to that's be right. Trump on Twitter. He needs to be he needs to be Trump in the. In the domain where people are going to see him most. And he needs to be the off-the-cuff Trump. When, when um, I speak of my haters, I speak of them with love. It's not their fault they're born after. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. Not having Twitter, you are invisible. Like, even at my level. Yeah. I, I, I just got my Twitter back this morning. I lost it in October of 2021. And without it, like, it's hard to network with people. And the same with his level, at the level he is, it's hard to be in touch with the world, because Twitter is how politics travels now. Yeah, it's, you become invisible in the political space. Yeah. Not necessarily in the entire entertainment zone. Sure. Like, I don't know if, I mean, Mr. Beast has a Twitter profile, but I mean, it's all YouTube. You know, once you get big on YouTube for cartoons and making people laugh, you don't really need Twitter. It's just like a, but if you're in politics, you absolutely need to be connected to that, I think, to understand. Um, I don't know, man. I wish I knew if he was on contract, exclusive, true social contract, because where the hell is he? Where's he? Well, been? outside of that, there's a conversation about, how do we protect our rights on social media if what you're saying is true? You can't network without Twitter. It's, it's very difficult. A technology is being granted to one political faction to use, you know, however they see fit. Another faction is getting, is getting banned and suspended. How do you solve for that? I mean, I don't think you guys are going to be all about uh, government regulation in that regard. Yeah, what's crazy is, you know, you guys had Jeremy Kaufman on last year, I think, who's a friend of mine in New Hampshire. He created Odyssey which was like a free speech alternative to YouTube. And the feds have been going after him like crazy. They, there's been all sorts of court cases. Uh, right now, Ben Swan, who I have networked with a little bit, he's trying to create a new platform called Sovereign. 
And all these different platforms are just learning from the mistakes of the previous ones where mm-hmm. the federal government can basically screw them over and trying to figure yeah. out how to work their way around it. But I think that is the alternative is like making yeah. all just on, making alternatives on, that, uh, on the point we were talking about with Trump earlier, like his feet being way down. Same thing with this. Like if you're trying to, you know, create different ways for this to work, you I mean, we saw with Twitter and it's pretty clear with Facebook and probably other uh, social media as well. They're infiltrated with feds. They they get, you know, corporate welfare, this, that. But the little guys like Odyssey, all these other upstarts, they are have the exact opposite problems the incentives are driving things one way or the other so it's like i don't really necessarily think throwing the government in the mix is going to help if anything i think reducing it would be the best personally but i mean i don't know it it is usually people do get a brand name that's what they stick with but definitely don't let them get infiltrated with feds like twitter did i don't know that you can can prevent uh you know social media companies from becoming infiltrated with uh you know with federal, oh, there's a way, Phil. Because, <laughs> the, reason, the reason I say is because it's too too much of a honeypot. I mean, yeah. the 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 capabilities that your average phone has, like to monitor the average person, uh, the the idea that the federal government isn't going to attempt to get yeah. their fingers into into software that makes that possible. I don't know that that you you get a world without governments trying to do that. And I don't know how you stop them. Either. Well, you free software. If your code's on yeah. GitHub or GitLab or something where people can watch and see if it's tracking you, at least you know if it's the software itself is tracking you. The networks are, I don't know, you'll never be able to keep people out of the networks. You'll have feds undercover in the networks. But you don't want, it's the company, you don't want companies running social media. I don't. I, I, the companies can get hijacked. Mm-hmm. So you want decentralized software packets to do it on. Yeah. If they decent- drop the patents, it'd be like, it'd be, that's another thing where the, the government gets involved with the patent system. Them. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not a tech guy. I'm kind of a tech idiot. But if they dial back some of that, some of the uh, regulation they have there, pff, like it makes so much easier for those for a starting point for people for like alternative like social medias and stuff. Dial back what so, exactly? Oh, like uh, patents, because I know your your big thing is about like releasing information in the world. Like, uh, I mean, I'm I don't know exactly how it works in tech. I'm a tech idiot, but I'm assuming a lot of these things are protected between uh, like IP type stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, and I know that's a common point you touch on a lot. Yeah, I brought that up last night to yeah. Jim Jordan. That one way, instead of breaking a, up a company monopoly like Twitter or or Alphabet by smashing it into seven different companies and then giving the CEO of Alphabet access to all the code from all seven companies, which would be counterproductive, counterintuitive, you would actually force them to free their software code or aspects of their software code that would let other people compete. I would be completely miserable if that happened to Apple. And the reason is I want Apple to have tight control over their products because I am willing to pay extra for the synergy that comes when you use Apple products. When I open up my, my, uh, my ear pods, for the first time, they automatically find the phone, et cetera. Like, Apple products are made to work together. As soon as you open up the code and you you essentially are just turning Apple products into other hardware where the where the software is, is open and people can, can do whatever they want to create software, then you end up with the same issue that you get with PCs now, which is you don't know how reliable the company that produced whatever piece of software you have is uh, or whatever, whatever piece of software you want to use. You don't know how reliable they are. You don't know how the quality control is. You don't know what that piece of software is going to do to other software in your computer. I stick with Apple's stuff because I know that Apple controls it and Apple controls it tightly. And I know that this is probably an unpopular opinion for a lot of people, but yeah, I don't want... Yeah, they're saying you're rolling a one. Yeah. It's because when they control I don't, But it. I don't want people I don't want people getting into Apple and saying, well, you have to do this and making Apple stuff work, uh, taking away the synergy that Apple's products have. I like the way Apple products work and I don't want some government 
person getting involved and saying Apple's too big, has too much control, so we want to stick our nose in and say that you have to do this and have to do that. There's so. two aspects of like when you're building software is um, compatibility, like ease of ease of use, and then uh, security is one of them. Apple is very low security. We don't know what their security systems are doing, if they're tracking you, if they're selling your DNA. Your, your, they told the FBI to, to pound sand when they were trying to get that terror, the, the dude they were accused of terrorists, they wanted to unlock his phone, and Apple's like, yo, we're not doing it because you'd have to make a back end in the thing. So granted, you can't predict the future Future, but I was happy with that result that they told yeah. the FBI to go <laughs> f off. You know, so no, Apple's a big no for me, dog. Just I'm not. I, I, I get we, it. we we had you know we got an one Apple machine here out of all the machines because we had someone who was like, well, I know how to use Apple, and it's just been a disaster. I, I was like, thinking, the integration is the opposite of what you're describing. Yes, for Apple with using other IBM stuff, but if you're no, using- no, like you can't even like hard drives, for instance. It's like we want to transfer data for between hard drives. You could take a hard drive between any any PC, but not yeah. between Apple. Yeah. But like Apple is one company versus the eight million other companies. That's part of why I don't want them to mess with Apple because there's all these other options. Yeah, but then the hard drive would work between other computers. Mm-hmm. So instead, it's like we plug the hard drive in. And it's like there's no data on it, and we're like, well, it can work in literally any of the various PCs from different yeah. brands, different companies, different laptops, yeah. but not yeah. the Apple. Yeah, that one we have yeah. weird problems with. They're finally yeah. adopting USB C. I think they were before they kept yeah. building their own plugs and like they have to. Uh, I think Europe passed a law saying they have to use uh, a yeah. standard, so it's going to be USB C. Well, I was deep on um, free software last night, thinking about like so what. So I started to think about the wet arms manufacturers. I'm like, okay, liberal economic order is basically Lockheed Martin. Boeing, uh, there's five of them, Raytheon, uh, Northrop Grumman, and General Dynamics. But then there's the British one, BAE Systems. So the six of them together comprise about $140 billion of arms dealers. Five of the six largest arms dealers on earth are in America. They are supplying us directly with our own weapons. And I was like, would I force them to free their software code? Arguably, Hell no, because and how would I do that? Because then you're giving your weapons systems to the potential enemy. I don't like thinking in terms of friend and enemy, but... They do. The weapons manufacturers sure are. I'm like, can't we just blow up bombs on Mars to heat it up? We don't make No, chips. these are actual tactical games they're playing with weapons. They want to fight. That's what this is system. They, they seem to want to. So well, I'm sorry. No, good. Phil. I, um, so I think there are times that you don't want to open source the code. But when it comes to social media and information, I am bullish. Uh, what, what were you saying? No, I, just, I think that, that uh, nowadays the, the chips and... Most of your microchips and stuff are, are not made in the U.S., and there's a strong likelihood that they're all compromised, anyways. With we're, they're made in China or Taiwan or whatever. We're gonna uh, we're gonna dive headfirst into the shallow end with this Ooh. next story about right. Eliza Blue, Chrissy Mayer, and uh, all the stuff that's been going on over the past week. And uh, we'll just uh, we'll be as candid as possible. I'm sure we'll piss some people off. But we have this tweet from Chrissy Mayer. For those that aren't familiar, Chrissy Mayer is a comedian, and she hosts a podcast called Simpcast. And she's been on the show, I think, I think a couple times, right? It's been, it's been a couple times. We've had her on the show before. And so there's been some controversy related to a guest we had recently, Eliza Blue, and some censorship actions that she's been accused of, notably filing privacy requests against people who talk about her past work. And so here we have the story from Chrissy Mayer. She says, Eliza Blue got four of my YouTube videos removed for showing a fair and balanced doc trailer which featured three to five seconds of her public at the time now removed world star hip hop video. Must be nice to have the power to rewrite history, then gaslight Twitter and YouTube into accepting it. Now I'll say, is that right? Um, you know, I said previously I'm, I'm uninterested in this and I'll kind of, you know, I, I think this is, this got to the point where literally right before the show, I saw this tweet and I'm like, okay, okay guys, you got me. All right. Like I'm, I'm starting to see and learn more 
that's having me question what that what what's going on if YouTube videos are getting pulled. And we're hearing that a bunch of people actually had YouTube get, videos getting pulled. And so this clearly is an abuse of the system to a degree that we've not seen for a while now. It used to be in the early days of YouTube, there were attempts by political rivals to to falsely flag and get people's content removed. And now it seems like we're seeing an uptick in this, particularly pertaining to Eliza Blue. The first thing I'll say is, as it pertains to the issues related to me personally, you know, look, man, um, I, I say it a million times, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an arrogant shithead. And so don't don't come at me and yell at me and scream in my face and think I'm going to bend the knee and do anything for you. And I will tell everybody right off the bat, we had this person on the show that I don't care too much about. I don't I don't follow her career. I don't know much about her. And I don't handle booking. We've had her on the show two times. But all of a sudden, we found ourselves inundated with, and I'm not saying, you guys got to be very careful because when I said that there was a PR firm running like 50 accounts, everyone started claiming I called literally the millions of people who are watching these mm-hmm. videos bots, and I never said that. Yeah. But we started, we, we got some very gruesome, um, gruesome is maybe not the right word, but Let's just say, you know, people crossed the line with what they were sending to us and um, the images they were posting of people. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to get me to be like, I will, I will not give you what you want. But here's, here's what I have to say about this. There are a lot of people who are genuinely concerned about what we're seeing in terms of what Eliza Blue's done and her past work. And there's a big difference between those people and the very few people I am directly criticizing. The people who are posting just really awful photos and videos, sending awful things to us. And I want to make sure that people understand because there, there's still this, this, this you know, here, here's what I said earlier. Following the Project Veritas stuff, following, you know, obviously the Crowder Daily Wire stuff, following these Republicans getting shot. I, I'm reading this. I, I get I have a source contact me. They say, we want you to read this letter. Check this out. And I'm like, OK, well, we're going to publish this. And I'm reading this and I'm like, yo, if 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 all of this bad stuff is happening right now to various organizations and everyone's fighting with each other, yeah, that that's it. Like infiltrate, destroy right? You, 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 you make divide and conquer. Yeah, I'm not going to be all about that, right? So um, I, I said outright to, to Jeremy Hambly of The Quartering, look, I apologize. I don't want to be fighting with you. We agree on way too much for me to be bickering or complaining about something that is like one issue where, you know, ultimately probably agree mostly on it, but there's like a personal issue that's making, you know, me upset or something like that. When I'm looking at, we have another story we'll talk about in a minute, a woman saying that she used to uh, work in, a, in, in in gender affirmation for children, and now she's realizing how bad it is. I'm like, there's a lot more things that we all agree on that we need to be focused on. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern with all of this is, obviously, censorship is bad. But if I'm going to get distracted and 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 you know personally aggrieved or whatever, and that means infighting will erupt, that takes us off mission. We're being played. We're we're being played. And so I'll say this to you right now. When I came out with my video earlier and said exactly that, like, Jeremy, we, I, I shouldn't be fighting with you. I shouldn't be, comp- I, I sh- like, that, that's, not, that's not what we should be doing. That's not what I should be doing. Uh, I, so I apologize. Jeremy put out a video saying he apologizes. I have tremendous respect for that, and I sincerely apologize. There are still people trying to drum up this infighting, and, and yeah. that is exactly what I'm talking about. When all this starts, and I'm this guy who's sitting here like, look, man, I don't know anything about her. Some, we booked her on the show because she's on Twitter and she's a prominent activist. I didn't know that people had beef with her, and I don't know what that beef is. We get people sending us, let, let me just say, like, videos that, vid, photos and videos that I just think are, would, would make a dad, you know, like, if a dad found out people were doing about that his, da- that his daughter, he'd end up in jail, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you want to you come at me and my friends with these really horrifying things, and I'm going to be, like, outright not, not getting anywhere near this. But I, I, I genuinely and legitimately understand that's not most people. So I hope all of you understand that there are people still right now trying to get us to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. I will outright say, 
especially upon seeing Chrissy Mayer get get her videos taken down. I'm 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 absolutely wrong about that. I I I was personally slighted, and that gave, that put blinders on me. I don't want to fight with anybody. I will keep being an arrogant shithead, and I will say that. But I also recognize we shouldn't be fighting if we can avoid it, and we can focus on things that are more important. So the only thing I can say, just one last thought, is please keep an eye out for those who are still in the chat right now, desperately trying to get me to get angry and to fight with you guys when I'm saying, no way, man, like, we need to come together on this. Yeah, I think the big thing here is people, like, they say in soccer, if you're a defender, keep your eye on the ball. And I think so many people got their eye off the ball in this story. And I'm like you pointed out with the censorship, with the I mean, the, I don't know if you pointed out the legal action she threatened supposedly online. I think those are things that are worthy of derision and worthy of looking into and see what is going on here. Why is this happening? Maybe there's more to the story. But this thing got taken so out of control and to such a level to things that had nothing to do with it. Her past, which don't get me wrong, like sure that like maybe like discredited her or something. But that I don't personally myself, I couldn't care if she made up all of that. That's not pertinent information to me. The, what is pertinent to me is, did she threaten legal action against people, and is she getting accounts taken down? I don't know. I'm open to it. It seems that way. It seems to imply. I read Shane's latest article. It seems there's something building there, maybe some sort of argument. I don't know. I'm still open to... And the people criticizing Timcast for not jumping in already, they literally had a guy there. And like, it was clearly not a fleshed-out story. So why would you comment on something before it's a fleshed-out story? But here's here's what I think, too. And I, I can't speak for Shane, right? I, I, will, I, I will tell you guys with 100% sincere honesty. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I told Shane I didn't think the story was worth it. I don't, I don't know anything about it. And I said to him, if you do this, you need to sit down with Jeremy Hambly and we need to do like two different profiles of like, what is the big picture here? Here's the problem. And uh, we got baited because the things that were sent to Shane, I guarantee you, like, and, and again, I can't speak for him. It's not like he said this to me, but I do know that people posted very inappropriate things about his family. You do that, you guarantee, that's bait. They were trying to get us to fight. And so I've, I've now had people saying like, bro, it's an op, like they're trying to make you fight each other. What I was saying is it's a PR firm that I think was trying to promote uh, Eliza because it worked in making her famous. Having John Rich come on here and be like, who is this Eliza I'm hearing about now? And I'm like, man, that's so convenient for her. And I'm specifically referring to obviously not like a YouTube channel where they're talking about it. I'm referring to the people even still right now in the chat who are desperately trying to make us fight. Mm -hmm. And they're the same accounts that spam the same things over and over and over again, clearly inorganic, desperately trying to make conflict happen. Sometimes even real people get caught in that state of mind because it's like scratching an itch. It feels so good, but if you keep scratching, you're going to rip the skin off and make it bleed. Like we're in the, it feels really good state right now. Don't keep scratching. Uh, You know, Brittany Venti got her, got videos taken down of her today. I made a YouTube video for the first time in about a month and a half today about this on my YouTube channel, Ian Crossland. Please check it out after the show. Uh And uh, I'll remind you again. And I posted a link to Brittany's video. In that video, she showed clips from this world star music video in question. This is all revolving around this one video, I think, uh, that had been previously taken down. But Brittany still had clips from this now removed video on her channel, then that video is removed over the course of the last six hours. Eliza, I'm concerned that shame is a very powerful, dangerous feeling. And if you are 
pushed into becoming a useful tool for cancel culture to hyperinflate cancel culture because of your your I know it's generic afraid of your past, but just it, it, it's don't become the villain that you're looking to squash out. That's the best advice I think I can give you right now. Um, but if these bans are unjust, they need to be rectified. If something Britney said in her video, she was showing screenshots of Twitter's ban thing, and they said that it was private, privately, privately created or distributed sensitive content. That's a Twitter rule. It was publicly distributed sensitive content. It was not private, and it was taken down for it being a privately sensitive piece of content. That How sensitive is it really? If she it was the music video. Yeah, she made the video. She she was proud of it. She was. You know, uh, uh, ostensibly she was was spreading it around back in the day. So I think that's up for debate. But yeah. I think it, it, for the sake of argument, we say it is it is sensitive content. But it was public sensitive content. So Twitter reinstate Britney. That ban is unjust, in my opinion. I, sim- simply put, in, in just to go back to like our position on this, I think I got tricked. I think I think we all got tricked here into taking out our anger on people like Jeremy and Britney. I think. So I was like, uh, I don't, I don't want to get into too much detail about what was happening to us, but like, you know, th- these are my friends and people I care about, and I don't want to call them threats or anything, but the stuff we were getting sent was, let's just put, like, put it triggering. If someone sent you the stuff that we got sent, mm-hmm. you'd probably react the same way. And then when, you know, I was looking at, I, I, I made this joke tweet earlier. I was like, Daily Wire, Project Veritas, me in the quartering, it's all, it, you thought it was a coincidence, wait till phase two or whatever, like, as a joke. Mm-hmm. People thought it was real. And then I stopped and kind of thought about it when I was reading the Veritas letter, and I'm like, people were saying, is it a coincidence that right after the Pfizer thing comes out, you know, we have the Grammys brought to you by Pfizer, we do this big thing complaining about it, all of a sudden, we're getting slammed with these people claiming to represent a group of people, but they're sending us some of the most abhorrent and awful things you could imagine, mm-hmm. pissing us off and making us fight, and then I'm just like, yo, nah, I'm not doing it, you're not, you, you got me, you, you got me for a few days, but I'm not gonna do it now. And to some of the nicest people I've ever met, the two people in question, I've, I've interacted with them, met one of them personally, and like even with the limited time I met them, they generally are some of the nicest people I've ever met. Who are you talking about? Uh, the one person, because I'm sure we don't want to name, name the name to name deflate all. it. No. Oh, I don't care. Then, and then Shane Cashman. So uh, Shane, I've, met, I've only met him online, uh, done one show with him, uh, he came on my show, Four Pony Boys, which is a joking ripoff of Four Horsemen, because uh, we're buddies and so who cares. Uh, but, yeah, I found him on show. He's like the nicest guy I ever met and super interesting fella. And just for this to happen to someone like that, not that it makes this, it better who they are, but it's just disgusting. This is this is the thing too. It's like even before we did anything, we were getting sent awful stuff and getting attacked. Mm-hmm. And then so I was like, okay, well, we're going to cover this. And then it ramped up and got crazier. Yeah. And then of course, I'm like, I got an internal conversation with Shane and I'm saying, like, I don't know if we can handle whatever the, this is or, or what they're doing. And he's like, oh, we got to tell the story, man. You know what's something I realized? I, I, I recommended, well, so, I mean, Shane's clearly pissed. I don't know. I think we had talked to him. The plan now is maybe as soon as possible is to have Chrissy Mayer on with Shane and then just hash all this stuff out. Because I think we're being played. I'd love to have I, I Brittany Venti and Eliza on at some point in the future after we work through these cycles. I think it's fantastic. This is this, is, this kind of thing we can avoid in the future if we talk about it now. You know, I realized we have a responsibility to talk about this stuff. It's not stuff I want to do. I don't want to get dramatic and talk about my friends online and who did what and who said what. But when it comes to banning and people losing their livelihoods, like if someone's banned from Twitter, that's their that's could be their life, their their income. And it's our this show, Tim, me. We we have a responsibility to talk about cancel culture and social media censorship. I don't. It's it's just like you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and you have to make personal sacrifices. This sacrifice we have to make. We have to talk about this stuff.
I think that it's pretty clear that I don't imagine that people thought that the the Tim Cast brand was pro censorship uh, because of this stuff. Um, but I mean, there, there's a lot of people in the chat that are, like you said, that are still looking to stir it up. That are that are yeah. you know a lot of lies issues. too. So like that was that was the thing about it is I'm seeing people post videos being like, you know, I'm canceling my membership at TimCast.com and stuff like that. And we gained over a thousand members in the past in the past week, which is three times like what we normally do. I think everybody involved in this has become more famous as a result of this whole thing. No, I think you could call it infighting. Steven Crowder is way more popular than he was uh, two months ago. Daily Wire, a lot more people heard of Daily Wire. When I saw that meme of you with Jack Murphy's beard on your face, I was like, people that you've never heard of now that don't even aren't in politics are f- hearing about you yeah, now. Yeah, but that's, it's, it's not a good thing when we're arguing with each other about this instead of talking about this next story, which you need to see. <laughs> no, it, it can be a good thing if we, if we make it right. No, I don't like infighting. I don't like, I don't like that as, some, as a means to generate notoriety. Like if we're gonna, if, we're gonna uh, uh, if you want drama, let's have drama with this. Take a look at this story from, <laughs> from the free press. I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. There are more than 100 pediatric gender clinics across the U.S. I worked at one. What's happening to children is morally and medically appalling. I mean, that's the gist of her story. It's a woman who worked for four years at a clinic as a case manager responsible for patient intake and oversight. I left the clinic in November last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. I'm segueing here, but I want to mention, this is the kind of story that makes me be like, guys, you know what, man? I will will eat humble pie. I will do whatever. I I need your help on this one. I don't want to fight with people about about drama stuff. We we shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. I'll do, I'll say whatever I have to say to to calm everybody out, to to chill everybody out. And that's on me. I'll take that. Because this is the kind of stuff that makes me feel like, look, look, I've been talking on this channel for a long time about just getting the van down by the river and just letting it all go away. And the problem with that is every time I imagine how, how much more fun, in a sense, my life would be if I just said, I'm done working 16 hour days, I'm done running a company, I'm going to go hang out by the river and just catch some fish and just breathe the fresh air. And then I think about five years after that, people will be locked up in camps, kids will be getting castrated, money will be worthless. And I'm like, yeah, if we stop doing what we're doing, or if we turn on each other, this is the kind of stuff that doesn't get exposed. I believe this woman who's coming out here is coming out now and saying, hey, what they're doing to kids is wrong, is likely doing it not completely because of the work that we do or people like, like the quartering or whatever, but partially as a grain of sand making that heap. The more we promote individuals calling this out the more people will wake up to what the cult is yeah and if we do nothing and if we fight with each other yeah and i'll take responsibility on that if i keep doing that if i keep getting pissed off and telling people to go screw themselves i'm gonna wake up one day in a world where this is norm. the norm 100 yeah. percent. i just spent the past week in la working with you know doing atr stuff and i know a lot of the very left-leaning people and and you know spending time in los angeles and hollywood and stuff those are the kind of people that you run into. And even people that you would consider left-leaning, they have kids and they hear about this kind of stuff and they're just like, yo, no, this is this is where I draw the line. And they don't want to talk about it in public. They don't want to admit it because it's, you know, it's a dangerous thing to, to be... 
to to condemn this kind of stuff because there's all kinds of associations that people on the left make if you condemn this this some these kind of uh, gender surgeries, um, gender reassignment surgeries. Um, but parents are over it. Parents don't want. It doesn't matter if they're left or right. Parents are are strongly of the opinion that this stuff is bad, and and it, without people like this show, like the people that we have on here pushing back on this stuff, people don't come out and say, "Hey, this stuff is bad." They don't have the the intestinal fortitude or whatever to stand up and say, "Hey, no, I'm I really have this uh, this this uh, this this problem with these procedures and stuff." So it, it is important work. Matt Walsh went down to Loudoun County. And he spoke about critical race theory and gender ideology in these schools. Mm. It is this kind of work where, look, man, I don't agree with Matt Walsh on a lot of things. All right. He's a he's a bold guy to put it mildly. But I think, you know, in 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 a future where there is factions of Matt Walsh's, the disagreements we have is sitting at a table and him being like, look, Tim, I just don't agree with you on on how we're going to be implementing a policy like that. And then me saying things like, well, look, I don't know, but, you know, I'll see you at the ballot box. Whereas today it's people bringing kids in for castration. You know what I mean? I wonder about you guys, you know, Jose and Reed, like I think of you guys as the pinnacle of libertarianism. And I wonder <laughs> oh, how no. do you deal with this kind <laughs> of clip stuff? that what, disavow, <laughs> disavow when you live hands I off, disavow that. I don't know if you would call libertarian hands off, but when you live like you live your life, I'll live mine. How do you what do you do when a parent across the road wants to cut their kids genitals off and turn them into another gender? Yeah, so I'm all about cultural repulsion. Basically, yep. I think Bullion. that's the strongest, <laughs> the strongest way to go. Like in New Hampshire, uh, we're really trying to create a culture of obnoxious liberty, as Phil can the, attest to. The, 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 not just the Twitter account, but just in general. The like, anarchist re- abominable snowmen up in New Hampshire. <laughs> the only but reason they, this has taken off is because the cultural sensibility is allowing it to go on and handling these people with kid gloves. If yeah. we push back and said, oh, yeah, it's ridiculous that you want to uh, you know, mess with the endocrine system of a young child at a point where their endocrine system is already in flux and mutilate their genitals, and in a point where they're not really in any sort of stage to give any sort of meaningful consent in their life... I, I don't think it's that crazy, but like, hey, yeah, you're 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 nuts. Like to be essentially a bully, to to push back culturally the opposite way. And I mean, I'm not saying do violence to these people or anything like that, but there's no reason you need to accept that as a narrative. Is that's okay? There are we, people we, constantly saying that they're so glad that they left New Hampshire because it's a bunch of libertarian idiots or whatever, and we're all like, good, we're glad you left. And they, I mean, they have protests where they're calling free staters vermin invasive species that need to be exterminated. That's what they're saying about us. Is it because you guys troll people? Yeah, because we're so obnoxious and By the we're way, to openly be clear, I'm not saying it. to do that to adults who have made this choice on their own. I mean, I have my yeah, personal same. opinions. So it's probably a little bit ridiculous if you start like, you know, but like snip, snip. But, you know, so far, it's your life at that point. Do what you want. I don't care. Dave you Smith know? made a great point when he said that stigma is how you peacefully discourage yep. uh, behavior that you don't like. Yep. And so the idea that libertarianism equals libertine uh, yes. government. We uh, bully them a lot, yeah. the libertines. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, so just because something is legal doesn't mean that you have to endorse it. And that's one of the things that people that have it, you know, you call them state or we call them status or whatever, but like that's what a status tends to think. If you say, I don't think this should be illegal, they automatically in their brain jump to the conclusion that you endorse the behavior. And so I don't think that it should be illegal for people to get uh you know, to get gender reassignment surgery. That's fine. You know, you live your life, go ahead. And, you know, that's, that's totally fine. But there's nothing wrong with stigmatizing people that want to have children or young adults get gender reassignment surgery and 
condemning the idea of teenagers and, and or children getting gender reassignment surgery. That's something but, that society should do. There, there are challenges to any kind of like like the idea of cosmetic surgery is is a, is a gradient. It's not yes or no. It's not black or white. So if we we would ask, we, we could ask a few questions to explore the morality of uh, transgender surgeries and plastic surgery in general. Is it okay for an eighteen year old human being to have their hand surgically removed? 18, I say, I mean, because of the fact that you have to have an arbitrary line, I guess 18, but I mean, you're, you're not fully uh, developed at 18. Yes. Like, well, I mean, a, a, a legal adult. Yeah. I, I, you, you think it's okay? Do you, would you guys? I mean, I don't want to. It's an age of consent conversation. She did not legal. say those three words. It, it, should, it should be legal, but it should be condemned. Like people shouldn't support the idea. People shouldn't encourage it. This and is, doctors shouldn't say, let's go ahead and cut your hand off. Like mm-hmm. we, I mean, it should. I don't think that we should what do you, have. What, what do you guys think? Well, I agree. Should it be legal yeah, no, for adults to have their hands, re- a hand surgically sure. removed? I, I sure. think the ethical thing for a doctor is to not do it because, and I think yeah. you know, stigma comes in play. If they do do it, they get shunned upon by the, the doctors' See, community, other people in the community, et cetera, et cetera. This is where the Ron Paul argument about heroin comes in. He he told a bunch of Republicans, and what was that, 2012 in South Carolina, like if heroin was legal today, how many of you would go shoot up right now? And the whole crowd was like, "Yeah, none of us would." So, I mean, no one's gonna like cut off their hand, you know. I mean, they, they will. Uh, yeah, it's it's called body. Okay, some the, some a, might general, ge- a general body dysmorphic disorder, or something that effect where people they feel like their. Hand, I talked about this with uh, the, the Twitter 1.0 executives when they were when they were talking about how they got to protect trans people because they're having an identity identity crisis that results in, in in depression and potentially suicide. I said the same is true for general body dysmorphia anorexic for instance people yep. are starving themselves to death or people who overeat and become morbidly obese and have heart attacks but also people who want to have their limbs removed and they do there are many stories of a uh, there's one guy who had like a tree fall on his arm so that he could justify amputation because he wanted it removed from his body so he cut so, it down on top of his arm something like that happened yeah he had it fall on his arms so that he could justify removing it or something to that effect or i think he smashed it with a hammer and then claimed Something like that happened and he needed to get it removed. There are people who are experiencing this and there are questions about what is the best way to provide assistance to them. If there is no, you know, and and this is where I suppose I'm more liberal and less libertarian. If the the law exists, you could shun a guy all day and night, but if he's getting paid the money for it, you don't care what you think. Well, here's the thing. Like, I've been a blue collar worker for the last 10 years of my life and every time some anomaly takes place osha thinks they have to regulate it away from ever happening again instead of accepting people are stupid and they're going to make mistakes and dumb stuff is going to happen and having a very you know reasonable set of guidelines they make it so now you have to wear a harness when you're four feet in the air i also even want though, to touch so it, it, i'm just saying that like with be, i get it justifying a law because of red herrings just leads you to a place of stupidity I, but basically. i don't it's i don't think it's a red herring because those are those are things that actually happen like they're actually the question about the hand, removing the hand is a question of, can you pay a doctor to remove a healthy body part? And the answer right now is, for the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. That's not how you actually help a person who's suffering from some body dysmorphia. You, so what happens is, hey, man, you, if the money's good, but if someone is, I'll put it, I'll put it this way, because this doesn't, it doesn't include death. Uh, what we often talk about is the Golden Gate Bridge, and every person who's jumped off it and survived has explained that the one, they, they immediately regretted it. And the one thing going through their mind was all of life's problems could be solved except for having jumped off the bridge. And so if they jump off and they end up regretting it and they live, we learn that. If someone says, I need my hand removed, and then they regret it, what do we do? Right. It's, it's, you're never getting it back. 
And you had that one doctor who said, uh, that woman who said of children who get mastectomies, if they ever want, if they ever want breasts when they're older, they can just get implants. It's like, that's not the same thing. The, you, you've lost them. This is yeah. where stigma comes in. Uh, good example. I have a business. I, I breed hairless cats. I know it sounds silly, but we we deal with clients. We sell them. And this is where stigma comes in. Yes, there, you could have the concept of, hey, uh, you know, the money's good. That's it. But we even have turned down business many times because we're like, I don't like this client. I don't like the idea that this person is going to have my, my pet and they're going to be a representation of my brand. And, and vice versa, like we also have to upkeep a certain standard, have a clean cat room, a nice presenting house, because we want to have a good looking brand because we don't want to be looked at as like crap. So like the idea that, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to like crap on you or anything, but I'm just saying like the idea that's just like, oh, as long as the money's good, there's a whole lot more that goes into that. And yes, on an individual level, there still will be like in our, in, there's definitely people that go and sell hairless cats for like 500 bucks, which is like criminally low for them. And it's just gross. Like, and those are going to exist. But in the long run, that is not a good way to upkeep what you're doing because it's just, it doesn't work. Like, but there will be I, individual I just, situations. Just I just what think system works best. Obviously in a system where it's culturally homogenous, you're right. We don't need government. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. But that's not what we have, and that's not what's happening around the world. And I think it's it's an idealistic answer to be like, well, you know, someone shouldn't cut off a person's hand, but they'll be shunned for it. They'll go set up a practice in the middle of nowhere, and they'll do it. Yeah, I think shunning works on local levels when you know people. Like, you have a small business, mm -hmm. you know, technically. Um, but when you have, like, large multinational corporations that are for-profit, you know, medicating people for life, we cut your hand off, but then you get to take our, our drugs, our blood thinners for the rest of your well, life. You, you just touched it right there, local. Right there, mm -hmm. local. That's yeah. it. I think the key is local. And start focusing local because the thing is, too, like this kind of plays in economics as well. If you have a place that has a bad economic place and, and you're able to be like segmented off in this other area, over time, they're going to end up being a worse area to be. And people are going to more likely want to come to your area. That's a better system. That's more, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, sure, maybe there are people over here like awful things and they, they somehow are successful doing awful things. But at the end of the day, that's not your concern because you're in your local area and, you know, doing what you do and drawing people that like what you do to continue that. I agree that that is key but yeah. I dealing with multinational corporations that are, are still going to be there when we go local I mean I'm open to a, abolishing multinational corporations I don't know what who has the authority <laughs> to do that at this point I don't think anyone um, that like they are or whoever these companies are that are that are administering the drugs not only the surgeries but the drugs to people for profit are making massive amounts of money if we don't make it illegal why would they there's shame doesn't stop multinational corporations the from making in trillions or the billions the problem that that th this is a a a symptom of a, a larger problem so focusing on like what do we do about the uh, you know the idea that transgender youth their transgender teenagers are are getting you know bottom surgery or whatever you what you really need to do is find out if they're actually transgender or not, you know. Most the, of the time, it's not being gay. Pardon me. Most of the time, they're not being gay. Well, I mean, I can't. <laughs> that's what the stats bear out. Well, the, yeah, I mean, essentially, that's that's the the short, the long and short of it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we've got society trying to, or or elements of society trying to encourage kids to 
transition, to encourage young people to transition. There is the monetary aspect of it with the pharmaceutical companies and with, with you know, hospitals that want to do these surgeries because they're expensive and because you're getting a customer for life. Um, but it's also the ideology that's being, you know, that people are, are, are being taught in schools and it comes from the culture with the, the whole, I think that, that, that the focus on LGBT identities as, or LGBTQ identities as uh, novel and something to be held up in high regard and esteem as better than normal or, or whatever, that's a problem with it too. You, you get a, a kid that's maybe, maybe gay or maybe bi or a, a girl that's a tomboy and then people start whispering in their ear, oh, you're transgender and if they trans, if they, if they, uh, if they change, you know, change their sex or whatever, if they, they transition, that's the word I was looking for. If they transition, they get a bunch of attention and stuff. There are all these incentives for people to do this. And the incentives are the things that we need to get rid of. So you can find the people that actually are intersex, that actually have, that are actually trans. You know but that's, I mean? that's a cultural issue. Yes. And, 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 and it comes down to if we as a culture were homogenous in our morality, we wouldn't need any laws at all. Nobody's going to steal from anybody else because we all completely agree. Until somebody or, runs out of food. This yeah, is a, but, but th- see, the issue is in very small, culturally homogenous systems, they, they work together. Running out of food isn't as big of a deal. Insurance originated as, if my house burns down, help me rebuild it, because if yours burns down, I'll help you rebuild it. Yeah. Then we codified it with, with money, and we all pay into the system. That ultimately leads to, as, as the population grows and grows and grows, a segmented, fractured society where we don't talk to our own neighbors, and thus we have fractured a fractured culture. So now the police are enforcing the different the, 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 the laws because we don't completely agree. And some people say, I don't know you, I don't care about you, and I need something, so I'll take it from you. Mm. They don't they don't share the values. I mean, you look at Chicago, you got people who use guns to commit crimes all the time despite it being illegal. They don't care. But then you got law abiding citizens who agree not to break the law and they won't take guns. So this 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 isn't working. If everyone was on the same page and said we should all have guns then there would be no illegal guns, there would be no gun laws, there would be no police enforcing gun laws, and everybody would have, would have guns. If every single person agreed there should be no guns, including the criminals, then nobody would have guns, there'd be no people getting arrested for guns. But the diff- but right now, people disagree, and some people don't care. So I don't know if we can ever get to that ideological position, idealistic position of I, I, I'm, I'm we are th- cu- culturally homogenous anymore. I don't know, I don't think so, not literally, but... I'm sponsored by Pfizer. If you see, I see the Grammys was sponsored by <laughs> Pfizer. Like that's very concerning. If you're talking about impede, putting information and ideas into kids' brains about who's making the money off these surgeries, off these child gender surgeries, it's com- like pharmaceutical companies and hospitals and stuff are making money off this for profit. So unless we make it illegal, I mean, are there points in libertarianism or just in well, general? We where you guys chats. are like, we, we got to We're gonna go to super th- chats. Think about this tonight. Are there points, even as a li- with a libertarian mind, that you would use the government to make things illegal? Let's nah, go. They won't admit it publicly. We are going to go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com. If you want to support our work and our cultural endeavors, the coffee shop is underway. The new studio is underway. We got a new show planned for the morning. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I appreciate all of your continued support. And let's read what you guys got to say. Coldilocks says, hey, Tim, Jeremy put out an apology video. How this drama between you and the quartering can be put behind us and we can move on as brothers in arms against the establishment. I completely agree. Um, and I, 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 am, I, I say thank you to Jeremy. I, I, I appreciate it. I apologize sincerely because I, I started to think about this with the Veritas thing. If Jeremy and I agree on 99.999% of things and then I'm just personally aggrieved because, you know, whatever, like I got triggered, then I'm kind of like, why am I fighting with the guy I agree with? This is, this is bad for me. 
This is bad for what I want. If I want to eventually get to the point where I can go live in a van down by the river, I'm going to need other people who are going to be carrying people who will be carrying on that fight to make sure things don't fall apart. So I kind of felt like, you know, look, I can be uh, aggressive and arrogant and tell people to go screw off. It's this this apology is more about me accepting the bigger picture and how in the end, if I think I'm going to get anything I want or achieve anything, I can't do it by myself. And fighting with other people who agree with me is the worst possible thing for me, quite literally a stupid position to hold. So I accept that. And I have to do what I, you know, I'll do what I can. Y'all can keep being, y'all want to be mad at me, keep being mad at me, by all means. Uh, there are still people in the chat who are, who are trying to sow uh, a conflict or whatever. But I'll put it this way. You can, you can think I'm wrong. You can think I'm lying. You can think all those things. But it is 100% factually true that if we agree with each other on core issues, then we, we have to fight in the same direction. We can hate each other afterwards, after we stop, you know, kids getting mutilated or whatever. All right. Rusty Shackelford says, Tim, please make that Eliza Blue song with John Rich. That was priceless. Uh, that was really good. John Rich just ad-libbed that song. It was interesting. That yeah, was good. Rocket Sauce says, I don't always watch Tim Cast IRL by the pool while smoking venison at my apartment complex, but when I do, the neighbors do too. Cheers. <laughs> that sounds really good, man. Nick Stevenson says, Tim, 10 bucks says this is a targeted attack on Project Ver- Veritas by infiltrators. Love your work, Nick. I kind of feel the same way. And that's what made me think I sh- look, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm going off. I'm like, screw everybody. I don't care. I don't need to do this. I don't, you know, like I get so much flack. And then I started thinking about the, the possibility that I'm being manipulated or I'm being played, that the people who are trying to get me mad at Jeremy are doing just that because they're trying to get us to attack each other. And then I'm like, I'm not mad at Jeremy. This is stupid. I'm, 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 I, I deeply care about like watching AOC go on stage or in Congress and lie about stuff. I deeply care about policy that's, that's causing our economy to get worse. And I deeply care about, am I going to have a, a future opportunity or is this country going to fall into a garbage, garbage dump? So I'm not going to, why am I wasting my time arguing with people who agree with me? Like, that's stupid. I'll say it a million times. I pro- we'll just keep reading more Super Chats. Special shout out to Scrotes McGoats, by the way. <laughs> uh, that was fake. Not a real guy? Scroats. No, 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 no. Uh, Scroats McGoats said someone was impersonating him and, and sent us an email. Oh, wicked. That's the thing. I'm, that, that's, yeah, trust no one. I so, mean, horrible to say, but, you know. This is another thing that, that got me going. We, we got an email from uh, our actual member saying, hey, man, I did not say those things. And we checked. Membership active. Everything's good. And then he was like, I'm going to actually increase my membership because I want you guys to know I support you. And then I was like, dude, who, someone's screwing with us. So to all you scrotes out there, impersonators or no, hope you have a nice evening. All you scrotes. <laughs> yep. All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, I should have told you earlier that P- Project Veritas uh, stuff got me thinking. Your current drama is orchestrated by the Crystal King himself. Ian wants you out. I saw him and Roberto Jr. having a contract meeting. <laughs> oh, oh, did you? Keep it to yourself. Yeah. It's right here. <laughs> Yeah, check it out. Cast Castle on uh, TimCast.com. Hot. You can also subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you want to see clips from older shows as they come out later. But if you want to get the, the newest episode, you're going to want to go to TimCast.com. Justin Bell says, Tim, just wanted to say thank you for starting this process of healing the divide. We all mess up. And after last week, that was good. Um, I will disagree and say, I actually think I was being aggressive in the beginning to begin with. And I don't like, like the stuff that we were getting sent that made me really angry. Uh, wasn't coming from Jeremy. So for me to then take it on to him, that was my fault in the first place. So I don't think I should get credit for a healing, healing a divide. I can, I can get, I don't know, you can say good job on chilling the F out, I suppose. Look, I, I, I sincerely mean it. I don't want to fight with people who I agree with. That's stupid. All right, let's see. Uh, where we go? 
Matthew Valesquez says, Tim, if Elon Musk can buy Twitter, then you can hire James O'Keefe. This is your Elon moment, dude. Uh, you know, I got to be honest. Like, when we heard that James O'Keefe got ousted, I was like, can we get him on the phone here? We don't have the legal wherewithal to handle a project level uh, um, operation. When we get people coming to us about stuff, I always just direct them to Veritas. I just say, guys, like, they're the mm -hmm. ones of the legal apparatus to deal with this stuff, not us. However, that being said, uh, if James is looking to start a new organization. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> a nonprofit that can, uh, I'm willing to bet that all the donors will follow James O'Keefe, the ide the ideological f uh, uh, leader and founder of the organization. Yeah. But you know, I will say James, and he's even explicit, it's not about him. It's about the movement itself. And if Project Veritas continues on without James, and then James starts a new organization, and now there's two places that whistleblowers can go to, all the better. Hmm. Seth Weather says, I hope James ate the sandwich. <laughs> like, that's the thing, too. It's like, that's why they're firing the guy, because they watched yeah. him take a sandwich from somebody. Even if that was true, I'd be like, what? Like, if Ian walked up to another employee and grabbed their sandwich, I'd just be like, oh, don't do that, I guess. Like, I don't, I, I, people yeah, would probably. be like, yo, Ian took my sandwich. We'd be like, all right, well, we'll tell him not to do that. Yeah, it's kind of self-correcting, I think. Could you imagine if we called you in for like a six-hour meeting where we're like, you took a sandwich, and we're like slamming. What was on the sandwich? <laughs> Go make another <laughs> sandwich, Ian. Go make before it. Or you ate the sandwich. All right. Marion Holtzman says, the serious cases that James O'Keefe covers, I would think he needs to run a very tight organization for those dropping the ball. Fire them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. But I think because it's, um, it's a nonprofit, there's three directors on the board, so James never had full control of that thing. It was always him and at least two other people. Jeremy Hernan says, glad to see you and Jeremy Barry the Hatchet. Love you both. You should really try again to bring him on. He says he doesn't like flying, so it is what it is. But uh, yeah, man, look, there, I've had people on this show who I, who I genuinely think are bad people. And it's like, of all the people I should be mad at, I don't know, I just felt in the end, I'm kind of like, we, we, we've had, we've, yeah, it's def definitely not him. Yeah. It, it's like, we've had people on the show who are legitimate grifters who pretend like they, or literally don't know what's going on in the world. And without calling anybody out, it's typically like, you know, left-leaning people. Man, I wanted to get in there and start calling names out. But yeah, I'll I, keep my face Well, it's it, it like, look, there, there are some good left-wing people we've had on the show who are genuinely, ignor genuinely ignorant. And then there's mm -hmm. some sophists who have been on the show and like intentionally mislead. And I'm like, that's the kind of stuff I'm mad about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like right. the people that come on ignorantly and learn because that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, respect to the scenes for listening to me just go off for 20 minutes about Ukraine and Gazprom and the Cutter Turkey Pipeline and Nord Stream and all that stuff. Oh, and you guys see that Seymour Hirsch, uh, I think, article? The U.S. and Norway destroyed uh, Nord Stream 2. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's bad news. That's, that's if that is like, denying it. Is that news? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. But the, the, the fact of the matter is if, if you give Russia more reason to accuse the U.S. of stuff, then you're given. Then it's going to be an escalation, and so regardless of who knew what or whatever, uh, the fact that Russia can now say, "Look, the U.S. This is here's more evidence. The U.S. Yeah. is blah blah blah." That means NATO is. That means it's justifying escalation, and this whole thing could very easily get way out of hand. And that way out of hand is talking about the possible nuclear exchange between the U.S. and, and Russia. Whether it be unlikely or not, whether you think it's unlikely or not, uh, I don't think that that really matters because it's like I'm, I'm a, I carry a gun. It's unlikely that I'm going to ever have to use my gun. But I carry the gun because of what happens if I if I need a gun like that's this. It's like yeah. the, res, the the the. The result of a nuclear exchange is so catastrophic, you have to treat it as if it's 
always a possibility because the result is the end of you know we, possibly the end of modern civilization. We can't go to war with Russia. Just Absolutely not. Yes. I'm willing to end We're the world over <laughs> which country owns Crimea, Phil. I don't know about you. I mean, I was not. thinking about it, and I was like. You know, a nuclear annihilation and the end of humanity is worth it for a small, you know, peninsula, peninsula yeah. Yeah. in the Black Sea. <laughs> you know, and the people that, it, sorry to go on about this, but it's so frustrating to hear people say, oh, well, you know, Russia's going to go and make a move on other uh, NATO countries and stuff. And it's like the reason that we have NATO and the reason that Ukraine is not in NATO is because of Ukraine's history with Russia and if we were to go ahead and say, well, everyone that Russia gets into some kind of conflict with, we just go ahead and fold them into NATO and then attack Russia, That's you might as well not have NATO and just initiate a first strike against Russia. Not like endorsing the, that, but I'm saying like... As I uh, am. The might as well not have NATO part, at least. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I'm saying. I'm saying you, <laughs> yeah. initiating the first strike is important. We got this one from Nick Williams. Says, John Fetterman is in the hospital. Everyone punch your 2023 oh, bingo cards. I heard that last yep. night, actually. Did you guys watch the new South Park? No, but oh. I saw you tweeting about it, and oh. I, I can't wait to watch yeah, it. Yeah, Yeah, yep. <laughs> so it's about uh, Cartman has Cupid, uh, Cupid Yay, which is a little, is floating around wearing yeah. his hoodie. Uh-huh. And it's very, you know, it's compla- It's telling uh, a token that, you know, black people are the real Jews or whatever. I want to get mad <laughs> and there's a, there's a scene. I can't wait to watch There's a scene where Cartman is in bed, and, and Cupid Yay is, is, mentions they, and then he says, who is they? <laughs> And so, uh, you know, we, we, we indirectly oh, got our got our mockery from yeah. South I love those guys. I love it. They're the tapped best. in, man. They're and then the, the credits, I noticed something. It said, like, written, written by Matt Stone, directed by Matt Stone, with special assistant to Matt Stone, Trey Parker. And I'm like, is that a joke or is <laughs> maybe, legit one of them just like Maybe Trey out? took the month off. Yeah, right? <laughs> maybe. All right. Yeah, Fetterman's in the hospital, man. That sucks. They said, I heard that he had a second stroke. Could be complete BS. I don't know. That's just ter- it's terrifying, man. It's so- Who's the lieutenant governor? Or I know that uh, no, that he's not the governor. Never mind. I'm sorry. Brain fart. She, she wants it. She wants it. So if he if he if something happens to him, do they have like just another runoff or something like that, or or how would they replace? Would or would the would the governor appoint a senator? Or? I have no idea. I don't know. Do you know how that works, Tim? If something <laughs> happens, would it happen to John? He can't serve. Does someone get appointed? Uh, yeah, they appoint someone. I think is the governor would appoint his someone? wife. The, the, specu- the speculation, right. the speculation from a lot of people was that he would be forced out due to a medical issue, and then they would put his wife in. I, I'm kidding. That was just a joke because everyone that makes a joke that his wife runs everything anyway. She does. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be sick. I think she planned it somehow. I'm going to vomit. All right. Let's see. Uh, By the way, Tower Gang endorsed Fetterman. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for Luke the comedy, too, yeah. unironically, unironically, <laughs> I would have voted for him. Michael Malice did too, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, yeah he so, was like, are you kidding? We got to have that guy. I mean, even then, he's such a great representation. I want a Congress hate, full so. of Fettermans, all vegetables <laughs> who can't get anything done. That's perfect. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good one here from Figgy Merman. He says, James O'Keefe is the only person Project Veritas has exposed as a bad person without any video. Do better. Yeah, where's the video, guys? Come it's on, the, it's it, Project Veritas. It's the only time they've accused someone of malfeasance without evidence. Good point. That's it. I just, I, I just don't believe it. Rare Project Veritas L. Yeah. yeah. And sure. and and James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. Yeah. yeah. He's like, like often face. when we talk about it, we don't even say Veritas, we say James O'Keefe. Right. But James he, O'Keefe releases, James O'Keefe exposes. He is the face. He he doesn't want to be thought of as the thing. I know he's told me that to my face. Like it's a movement that he's a part of. Yeah. And he's become kind of an icon in the movement. He is. He is. But it is a great movement, greater than all of us. All right. Let's grab some more. El Jefe says, part of fighting together, Tim, is denouncing your plan to host a drag show. 
You can't promote sexual lewdness while claiming to fight sexual lewdness. No, there is a point in that drag show. So I, I said, I'm going to put on the biggest, the, the, uh, Jenk Uger, the Young Turks was like, if I could afford it, I'd put on a big drag show. And I'm like, okay, then I'll do it. We're going to put on the biggest drag show. We're going to hit a bunch of, uh, you know, drag performers. And there will be uh, free food and drinks, 21 and, uh, and over, of course, because of the, the drinking. And uh, mm. there should be no problems, right? Nobody, yeah. nobody should have anything to complain about. It's funny fine. when I said that, no leftist said anything. They immediately just dropped the subject. Right. It's like, because are, are you really going to come out and rebut and be like, but let the kids in? And I'm be like, there's alcohol. Right. But let them in anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> so look, man, I'm not a staunch conservative. I have no problem with burlesque. Mm-hmm. You know, if people want to go to a show and there's women and they do their burlesque thing, and if it's drag, they don't do the thing. It's just not for kids. Just I've heard it's fun. I don't know. No kids. <laughs> I mean, ain't, ain't my cup of tea. I've seen those videos and I'm like, I would not enjoy whatever that is. That's I just, <laughs> right. but I don't know. Some people like watching boxing. I'm not a fan of boxing. I'd rather watch MMA. Look, I've uh, watched RuPaul's drag show and that's funny. That drag, the drag race, that show's funny, but I don't know if I'm going to go to a bar to see a drag show. I've heard they're pretty, like there's a place I think in like Florida called Hamburger Mary's where they do that. And I've heard, I mean, some people tell me it's like fun because they make it comedian, like comedic. It's like a whole show, but it's not for kids. Like, no, you know, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't sound like my thing, but I don't know. Maybe I would enjoy it. I don't know. I've never tried it. All right. Feeling Dangerous says, hey, I just want my super chat read, LMAO. Well, there you go. Bring Jim Jordan on again. He was awesome. Would love a full episode. Well, so, you know, here, here's what happens. We get Matt Gates to come on. I'm a big fan. And I thought it was a great episode. Hanging out on Friday night. I, I could barely talk. So he's just, you know, explaining all of these things. When he, when he mentioned the Pelosi's, uh, or Paul Pelosi buying that stock, on the, uh, what was it, on the dip? And then yeah. the bills get killed and don't make it to the floor. That's, that's, a, that's crazy. So I get, I get reached out, uh, Bobert's team reaches out and said, we, you know, they're going to be doing this big hearing. So we'd love to do a show with you, but getting out to you guys is very difficult. Can you come to us? Because like, here, here's how it basically works. For them, they're getting prepped all day for a hearing and they're sitting there questioning, you know, executives. They can't come out here until the very last minute. But we have employees who could go there, set up, and then once they're done with their hearings, run in, sit down and talk to us. And they basically were like, if you can come out here and do it, we'll get like everybody to come on the show. And I was like, I mean, dude, that sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting to meet Jim Jordan, having him come on and explain a lot of this stuff was really great. Uh, Matt Gates walked right in, started dropping a bunch of F-bombs. And yeah, just, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. I'm like, this guy from Congress here is just cussing up a storm on this live show to hundreds of thousands of people. Also, the staff was awesome. Yeah. You guys rock. Mm-hmm. And the amount of work, they do like 6 a.m. to 10, 11 p.m. every day, like yeah. five days a week. It is like you might from a TV, it might look like they don't do a lot, but my lord, are they invested in what Not they're really doing? They are. Yeah, shout out to the Bilber staff, by the way, as well. I appreciate all the help. Calvin Torgensen says, "Shout out to Ian on his Britney Venti video. You strike me as a very genuine and curious person. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. What What was your video? Uh, I made a video about two o'clock today about the whole thing. I was getting videos. Me and there's a video of me and Eliza from back in the day where we were hugging and like cuddling and hanging out with Adam and Nishra back in their house drinking whiskey. And it was like, what's up? What's wrong with Ian? And I'm like, yeah, I'm making a video. I'm done. I'm not playing this in text. I'm not doing it in text. So I just made a video as straightforward as I can be. About thirty minutes. Thir- came out thirteen minutes long." Uh, got my periodic chart behind me. Check it out. Ian Crossland on YouTube. There you go. All right. What do we have? John L says, have to send Phil love for his music, but Death Punch deserves credit for lining the dream on COVID and welcome to the circus, the world today. All right. I love I love the guys in Five Finger Death Punch, and I appreciate the kudos. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what you meant, but the guys in Five Finger. Phil. They're, they're, they're sweethearts. <laughs> they're wonderful people. I love them all, so. 
Duke says, call these clowns out, Tim. Trump is Trump. He is just Trump. Flannel guy is a clown. I'll continue to give to you if you call flannel guy out. I love it. it. Flannel guy, you're you're a clown. Thank you. That's my favorite thing about flannel guy, though. uh, I, I, I am known for evoking reactions from people, so... Well, I, I, you know, flannel guy, look, Donald Trump is, is the greatest president we've ever had. And I think you owe him, owe him an apology. Yeah, get to, uh, and get also, to it, uh, flannel guy. Flannel. Trump, Donald Trump, I will apologize to you if you come on Tower Gang. That is my <laughs> stipulation. Like, I'm so sorry. I was mean, please. Um, I, I genuinely think Trump is the, breast, the, the, breast, the best president of my life. Oh, I agree. Of my life. Yeah. Of my I life. mean, it's, an, it's a bar that's buried under the ground. But <laughs> he is the best. Yeah. Was he like the only one who didn't sort of start a war? I mean, he, sort he was of, ending them. Uh, like, you know? Sort of, yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah, but like, I'll take what I can yeah, get. It's a low bar, like you said. It's so it's like, bar. I'll take it. You Very know? low bar. Uh, you know, uh, th- there, there's a lot to be said about Donald Trump. I, I think he really did want to keep his promises. I think he really did try. I just think he brought on bad people. I think he's 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 brash and he's arrogant, but... What do you think about him campaigning with Lindsey Graham? Does, is that a good sign Ugh. that he's learned his lesson? Or? Right now, no. I, and and that's that's why we have a lot of people being like, maybe DeSantis is the guy. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you see as a president? Ron Nobody. What about Rand but like, Paul? Realistically, there's Rand be Paul? One. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know if that's realistic, but so I would be... That would be way better than anything else we have. So you just wouldn't campaign if you don't see someone you like? I mean, Dave Smith, I, he's talked about it. I, I love the idea. But uh, frankly, like, I've given up on... The idea of fixing our federal government, I think it's 100% local. I think you got to find a place that you think you can invest in. I'm all in on the free state project at this point. I, I'm all about, like, if Dave wants to run for president and try to, you know, send a message and attract people to these ideas, I think it's great. But hoping that we're going to have any sort of, like, political revolution to save this mess, I think it's just, there's no way. I think it's I this. Think it's uh, Duke here gave us another super chat, a huge one, two hundred dollars. He really doesn't like you. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, shout out. Thanks for the super chats, man. You, you keep know, bringing I them back. Want to make sure, <laughs> make sure that. I mean, if Duke keeps giving us this level of money, I mean, maybe we. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Duke. I appreciate the super chats. Just call me Flannel, uh, Flannel Clown to like, you know, make flannel it a clown. Yeah, Flannel <laughs> Clown. Can you tell? Can you tell Reed what Duke called him, please? <laughs> what? Can you t- can you tell Reed what Duke called him? What, the flannel guy? The haircut that's flannel not, that's guy? That's what he called him. I don't called, think we can say the other thing. That's what I'm thinking. No, we're not allowed to say the other one. <laughs> I'll tell you later. All right, if, I we want do to it, know. if we do it in tower kids, form, I think we're all right. Kids. Oh, yeah, let's, let's tower it. <laughs> no, 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 there's kids listening. There's kids listening. <laughs> yeah, you can't, can't do it. Driz says, But bro, he's right, though. <laughs> Driz says, bro, I'm proud of you and Jeremy. Call out the bad. Give credit where credit is due. Respect, man. Yeah, I, I think you're, you guys are allowed to be mad at me. Um, ho- hopefully, we can just move on and focus the fight on uh, on the issues that that matter substantially more I, I just don't see there to be I hope I hope Stephen Crowd and the Daily Wire guys eventually get to a point where they're like you know okay whatever we're, we're doing important things it's just it's, it got to this point with Veritas where I'm just like yo if this keeps happening we're done yeah, it's was, over it's that, over in six months that was what my video was about today I, it was a little bit about Eliza it was really about Britney getting her account banned I'm really concerned with social media overreach right now even though we got a hero in, in Twitter a lot of people think Elon's the hero doesn't mean that people can't go crazy so I, I went on and on about that Let's stay focused on censorship and make sure that's done righteously. Backhand187 says, first ever super chat. The easy fix to the Eliza Blue story, Tim, is to have Brittany Venti on the show. Yes, uh, agreed. And we also, I'm planning on having Shane Cashman on with Chrissy Mayer. So I think we can just, as, as a means to be like, we're going to hash all this out. Because we, we, we pride ourselves on being the people who sit down and talk about things that are controversial. 
and we complain when people refuse to show up to debate these issues. So we will have that conversation. And I'm hoping we can do it next week. The reality is this would be special um, privileges in a sense in that we're booked up for like three or four weeks out or longer. But I'm pretty sure we can find a way to to um, have Chrissy and Shane come in and then do, I think tomorrow would be the best thing. I don't know if it's possible. Tomorrow, considering one, we had this conversation today and kind of hashed things out as it was. I, I apologized. Jeremy apologized. I don't, I don't know if Jerry, Jeremy needs to apologize as, as much as I probably do because I was being a dick and being very arrogant on Twitter. And I can accept that. But um, Fridays are good days to just kind of chill and just talk about everything. But I feel bad for the guests we already have booked. I don't want to, you know, ram them into this conversation. But we'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe some point next week we'll get this. Uh, we'll get this going. Chrissy's in New York. That's not too far, right? Yeah, super. Yeah. And, and, and I think Shane might be around. I, 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 I genuinely think as I'm, as, as you know, as I'm looking through this, like, I, I hope people understand. Maybe, maybe we'll get into the specifics on what was being sent to us, because that triggered us. That triggered me. Don't like the things being sent to my friends and, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, bro, you come with my friends. I'm done. I'll, I'll, I will, I will shut this whole company down if people threaten my friends. And so, but I, I got to thinking like, Jeremy didn't do that. Like yeah. I'm being baited, man. I'm being tricked. And yeah. if someone wants and, and to it, shut it, your company down and they'll send you shit about your friends, that's exactly. bad. You gotta. And, and, and if I'm not being tricked, I shouldn't be fighting with people who agree with me because we're mad about one thing. That's stupid. Right. I, I know I said it 800 times, so I'll just try and read some more super jits. <laughs> Duke sent us another super Let's chat. <laughs> Tim, why the hell would you have haircut and flannel guy on? Bad timing. I'm done with you. Bro, come on. You told me if I called him out, you'd keep you'd stick yeah. around. Keep I don't sending know. money, buddy. It's only increasing our chances of coming uh, back. <laughs> I read his super chats. People are allowed to criticize our guests. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously we're talking about the Eliza Blue thing now. Yeah. That 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 got yeah. to a point, you know. Yeah. But I, I hope I, I to, somehow I, become more controversial. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of flannel. I don't think like it's gonna happen. Our our audience yeah. is split between uh uh, MAGA and Libertarian. You know, there's like an overlap between them where, so I think most people are just going to be like, well, you know, yeah, they're Libertarians. Yeah. They're all right. You know, we don't agree on Trump. <laughs> Doc Holliday says, Tim, thank you for the humility. None of us are reasonable people. None of us reasonable people wanted you to change your opinion or disavow anyone. We just wanted acknowledgement as you are big enough to call attention to the censorship. Thank you, fight on. There, so we got a message from someone saying, I will not support you if you don't disavow this person. And so I said, F you, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. And then we got an email from, from that person saying, yo, that was not me. Someone made a fake account using that name. I am still a member. I'm not leaving. And we were like, ah, that made me be like, yo, we're getting played. We're getting played. People are faking us. We're getting played, man. But whatever. You know what? If, if there are people who are legit, legit, uh, legitimately mad or whatever, then, then they can keep being mad at me. I just, I don't know, whatever. I'm a guy complaining the internet for a living. All right. Jay Walker says, tell Phil he accidentally blocked me on the bird app at Walker Jerry. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, the thing is, for uh, my, my opinion on the bird app is the same as uh, Michael Malice. It is like block yep. loosely for whatever, because the my experience on the bird app is my experience. Mm -hmm. It's not your experience. And I have no desire to listen to people that are just going to flame me. If you if you come and say something polite, I'll respond. I probably respond more than most people. I'm on the bird app too much. But if you come and you're snarky and I don't know you or you think that you know me and stuff, I might just go ahead and block you. So You know, something I realized through all this is that your, your social media status with someone is not indicative of your friendship with them. I have friends that I am not on social, not friends with on social media because we just annoy each other in text. Mm -hmm. But they're my, mm -hmm. he's my good friend. Like, Yep. 
Me and Jason Richard, Jason Richardson doesn't follow me on Twitter because he, I, I, I drive him nuts. But we just spent all last week hanging out, being buddy buddy. You know, big hugs when I see him, big hugs when I leave because we get along famously when we're hanging out together. We just disagree on some political stuff, and so he doesn't follow me, and I don't. I'm not mad at him for it. You know. All right, last one. Mike Daly says your podcast last night was one of the most important podcasts ever. Thank you. Uh, two of the microphones didn't work. And uh, we know why it's it's a it's a it's a, uh, um, a driver issue with the channels that the computer doesn't pick up two of them and you only get two or whatever. But uh, the good news is, you see, the members of Congress were really excited to be able to do a show in that fashion. Imagine if Tucker Carlson was like, "We're bringing the studio to your office. You can come on the show." They'd be like, "Whoa!" But it's harder for him to do that. Easier for us, albeit it was difficult. I mean, Serge and Andrew really pulled it together and and, and busted ass to make that happen. Yeah, very last second, honestly. What was that but- like? Uh, it was great. I got to walk around in Congress. They got the Dunkin' Donuts in there. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. They have a Baskin Robbers next to it. Too. They have a Dunkin' yeah. in Congress. Yeah, yeah, pe- yeah people, Subway. Yeah, people are buying like uh, you know, uh, literally pints of ice cream. It was kind of wow. crazy to see. As a wow. New Englander, I'm happy to hear that Dunkin' <laughs> is, in, Cong- is yeah. in Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It smells yeah. good. But uh, we're gonna do it again because following that, we get some messages from other uh, staffers being like, "Why didn't we think of this? Can we do it again?" I'm like, "You tell me when." Because this is why we came to the D.C. We're, we're, we're about an hour or so outside of D.C., hour 20, hour 30. And I'm like, that's the point. Because this is the, the, the seat of politics. I hate D.C., DC by the way. But we can do things like this. So I think we're probably going to get more shows. And they'll be set up way better with better lighting. This was like a last minute thing where it was like Friday. Hey, can you come out? And I'm like, oh, let me see if we can figure it out. Serge had to figure out building the, the mobile setup and getting all the equipment. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know where the equipment was. We're like, we got to go find it because yeah. it's in storage. Took a while. I was then, so stressed, guys. My hair fell out. That's right. That's <laughs> right. But now that we've uh, gone through that, the, 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 gone gone through all that, we uh, we're talking with other members, and we think we'll be able to set up the show and 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 do another one relatively soon, mm-hmm. which would just be really really great. So the idea is the next time there's a big hearing, and we want follow up and conversation on that stuff, like especially the weaponization of government commi- uh, uh, hearings. Right. That's the most important thing, in my opinion, going right now. Exactly. Imagine we set up right after they do those hearings. We sit down with Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, Bobert, et cetera, and the crew, Ana Polina Luna, and uh, uh, are able to talk about the, these Byron Donalds. And Cross Isle. That's really exciting. A lot of people in the chat were super chatting. They want to see like people from both sides of the political aisle coming together and talking about these crazy things. I mean, uh, if, they, if they can get a Democrat who wants to come on and they agree to have a conversation about the weaponization of government and we agree to keep that in the con- – like. I would, I would be, look, I, my, my concern is if we had someone like Ilhan Omar or AOC, we'd get into the tribal issues. We'd get into cultural issues that we disagree on. But if there are, is common ground where we can solve a real problem and we agree, okay, we'll put aside these other things and we'll specifically talk about the thing we agree on and agree not to attack each other, I think at least that conversation is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an opportunity there, like talking about war, foreign policy and stuff. And then we'll be like, agree not to go after cultural character and things like that. But I'll, I'll leave it there. My friends, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and become a member at TimCast.com if you want to watch the members-only uncensored show, where we'll tell you how we really feel. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But we will swear a lot more. We did swear a bit in this episode because I, I figured, you know what, screw it. You know, Matt went off a little bit and started swearing. We'll swear t- towards the end of this one. But we're going to talk about some more cultural issues over at TimCast.com, which should be up in about one hour. So thank you all for your support. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Uh, Tower Gang, guys, you want to shout anything out? 
Uh, yeah, um, we have the Tower Gang show. Uh, it goes on YouTube and Rumble live at um, every Wednesday at 9-11. Uh, I also have my other show, No Way Jose. Uh, yeah, you get it. That's a uh, real time. Too, obvious yes. joke is obvious. Uh, but anyways, uh, then I had my No Way Jose show. Uh, you know, I you, that's on YouTube. All the major auto packages, obviously as well. Go check out my OKC playlist, uh, and you follow me at Tower Gang Jose if you want to follow me on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm also a co-host on Tower Gang. I have my show, The Naturalist Capitalist, uh, that is on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey for video. It's on all um, audio streaming platforms as well. Also, I'm on Free Talk Live every Thursday night out of Keene, New Hampshire from 7 to 10. Um, and I do the Four Horsemen show once a month with my friends Ryan Dawson and Eric Jackman. Go check them out on Twitter. They're at Rye Liberty and at Jackman Radio. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Coverdale. Also on Instagram and on uh, Telegram at Reed Coverdale. And uh, if you think libertarians are kind of lame and gay... Sometimes that's right. Uh, so go follow the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire because we're way more based and bold than the rest of the libertarians out there at LPNH. And check out the Free State Project. Think about moving to New Hampshire if you want to make a difference for liberty in your lifetime. That's all I got to say. I am Phil That Remains. The band is All That Remains. Phil That Remains on Twitter. Uh, Phil That Remains official on Instagram. Uh, check out the band All That Remains. It's heavy. It's metal. You'll love it. You'll mosh. Phil, I'm glad you're back. I love you. I think you're going to be here for a while, huh? Well, I, love you too, I, by have, the way. I have nothing planned for like all that remains stuff for the next at least month and a half. Ooh, oh, you're playing me one before the show. I like. Yeah, we, we were busy out there. We got some cool stuff, man. We got there's there's some really great. The best all that remains is still yet to come. The best metal that all that remains is, has, has made is still yet to come. Oh. Our days are going to be great. Ahead, oh, I so. want to scream with you. Baby. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm so glad you guys came. This oh, was awesome. So I, we appreciate it. It was so great. Much, yeah. um, great conversation. Awesome. Man. Okay, so guys, go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Ian Crossland. Check out the video earlier today. I'm looking for a UX dev. If you want to get involved, hit me up on Twitter or on Minds. And uh, also, I think that's about it. We need an open source, large language model. We'll get into that a little later. Bye, everyone. And of course, I am at surge.com. Uh, sorry about the technical issues yesterday. It's fine. It'll work out next time. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. I'm almost at like 4K, which is crazy. I never thought that would happen in my life. But uh, yeah, see you there. We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Cheers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.